Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, the DC Comics podcast for Mailfuzz TV. This is episode 246. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up, people? And Connor's here too. Yep. Because yep. he, he's quite read two books this week, so he's, he's excited to talk about them. Uh, Actually, I am. I, I really have very positive, <laughs> strong opinions on my two CR21 in full effect. <laughs> it's Conroe, sorry, I keep saying the wrong name. Quality over quantity. Hmm. Which does not describe you. You guys said that about me because I'm a husky man. Yes. Connor's not. So, you know. Well, his hair was longer. It was a lot of hair. There was quantity of hair. Yes, but I just remember that picture you used to put up of him, Mm -hmm. him at the comic uh, con, and he he looks almost demonic. He used to scare me. Yes. He could have could have said that with that one too. Just uh, yeah. the way the light hit your Connor, it was very terrifying. I mean, I don't react well to light as a rule, anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, because you don't have a soul. <laughs> Edge had a matter to say to me last week. He goes, "Oh, oh, you can go out in daylight because because you'd never seen me in sunlight before." Uh... Yeah, I'm actually just noticing just how similar the skin tone is to the wall in the background of Connor's yeah, uh, camera. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That is, that is not entirely representative. It is just mm. the light, and and also I've got a big white screen here. I want to want to switch it over to to this. It, uh, it, it gets a little bit better. The contrast is there a little bit. Little, yeah, yeah. It's because there's a big white well, screen blasting at me because I got the news so out. What, what what's your average sun? You know, like how how much does it take for you to you know burn in the sun? Is it like over under sixty seconds? Oh, uh, I don't know about time. I know there's like there's a threshold of temperature where above that, and I'm like, okay, I need to start being careful. And it's a lot lower than you'd think. It's about 16 real degrees. Once I get to about that, I'm like, okay, I need to start being a bit careful, which is absolutely nothing. Even even for over here, that's not particularly hot. It's it's a mildly warm afternoon. 16. Nice. Yeah, six- that is 60 degrees my day. That is, that is never, even when it's cold, it's not 60 degrees here. Yeah. That's at the point where I, I have burnt in that sort of temperature before. I mean, just, yeah. I would never just quickly, but. I would never describe that as cold, but there ain't no way I'm ever, like, burning no, at 60 no, degrees. Most people would not burn in that. I, I admit, <laughs> it, like I say, it's not, it's not particularly hot. It's, it's a, it's a nice, pleasant afternoon temperature over yes. here. Connor, uh, in, in how much? Spring. How much of your life in minutes have you spent in an outdoor pool? Uh, a reasonable amount, because I don't feel it in a pool. Uh, it doesn't go well, but a reasonable amount. Uh, usually on holiday, because we don't really have them in, in this country. Right, that right. But you know, when I go on holiday, yeah, sure, I mean, I'm in the pool. Yeah, I don't even remember being in an outdoor pool now I think about it. Oh, no, that's not true. That's not true. I have once or twice, but again, never never in Scotland. Every time I see Scotland get brought up, it's always like dreary. Like, <laughs> and that's a good day. I feel that would be an, an extreme sport is like coming and swimming in an outdoor pool in the middle of winter yeah. in Scotland. Just for, just for that, the, that is brave. Just, just for the, uh, yeah. just for the fun of it. Uh, as a DC Comics podcast, we talk about DC Comics here. Once we get, get going. yeah, uh, coming up on this week's show. We have uh, a number of... Oh, I'm on the wrong page. Here we are. Oh, here we go. Okay, so today we have Detective Comics 1034, which is the start of Mariko Tamaki's run with Dan Moore. Uh, we have Action Comics 1029, 
which is not the start of a run technically, although it's the start of Johnson's action run, but it's kind of just continuing your Superman run, which already started. Uh, we also have Teen Titans Academy issue one uh, and Batman Superman 16, which is uh, starting the Gene Ling Yang run with Ivan Reese. So that is the new books. I also have a Patreon book to do with American Vampire 17. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit about news and ramble or what not before then. So that's what's coming up on the show this week. Uh, so Wait, I, I was dealing with my eye issue. Did you say Teen Titans Academy? I did. Okay. I felt like you didn't. And so, yeah. But I really wasn't paying attention because I still have, I think, Cat Dander in my eye. I, I know what you mean, but it's kind of funny to me that you said you were dealing with your eyes when it's your ears that would be the culprit, typically. Right, not but I also have this thing where <laughs> I get very preoccupied since I have low-grade anxiety, and so... I, I, I would just like to say, if, if anyone out there has seen The Thick of It, which I believe is on HBO Max now, so you should all go it watch is. it. Um, the, the, just imagine the he's got a mega blink bit and just apply that to Matt right now. Yeah. Very appropriate. Somehow Connor finds a way to bring up things that no one else cares about, and it's... They should care about it. Connor, after, after I finish Years and Years, I'm probably going to go with Thick of It, so, you know. It's great. Yeah. Because he's always talking about it, and it's from the guy that did Veep. Well, yeah. Veep did Thick of It, technically. Yeah, so. yeah but basically Veep is the Americanized version of Thick of It. He's, right. You know, so, there you go. But by the same people. Uh, yeah, that's with, with no Tony and, Hale. <sighs> yeah, and, and Matt knows my recommendations can be trusted, because his loving wants a future. So, here's a problem. I have, I have three issues left, and I've stopped reading because I don't want to not read it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying it's to savor so it. Yeah, it's very good. This is delightful stuff. Yeah, I actually I, I did threaten I might read the new Alien comic to talk about this week. Uh, I changed my mind a little bit when I saw the art. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I didn't realize it was uh, Salvador Larocca, who is yeah. not good, not not good at the faces. No. Uh, it's it's going for this kind of uncanny valley uh, thing that I've just never been able to stomach. Yeah. He was a uh, he was on like the back half of Aaron's Star Wars run, and it completely ruined a lot of those issues. I remember people sharing panels from it to show, uh, yeah, just how kind of weird it was. Uh, you know, the trying to make a little of the actors and they're just being a bit. Yeah, but it got to a point where he does it with just everyone's face now. Mm. Yes. I, he found something he liked doing, I guess. Even though no one... Well, I mean, some other people like it. I'm, I'm a, I think the, the reality is this is why he's a very quick artist and can turn around books in a very reasonable time frame. <laughs> Reliable and cheap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, it'll be cheap. I don't know. Maybe he gets paid well. but. Uh, I mean, it'll at least get the going rate, I assume. Yeah. But that's, that's the, that's the, whenever I'm talking about directors and I'm talking about why does so and so keep getting work because they're reliable and they come in their budget. That, that's why they keep. That's why they keep hiring workman director who's not that exciting but turns out a movie. Hey, sometimes that's all you need to do to get your paycheck. Yeah, mm, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose people used to be able to say that about Ron Howard, right? Reliable comes in under. I mean, he's a big name, but like. I mean, they literally hired him to redo a whole Star Wars movie because he was reliable and would not... And they're already way over budget because they were basically remaking yeah. the whole movie. So they wanted right. someone who would do it for a fair price. <laughs> right, right. So I'm just saying. And he did a very good job. Yes, he did. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah. I can't wait to hear how he got the name Solo. So it's just well, an important all, all part I'm of Star Wars is, history. For a, for a movie that came in with, with a different director and, you know, fix a film, 
did it a lot better than, than a certain other film <laughs> that yeah. is topical again right now. And, Release and the Lord and Miller it. cut. Yeah, I don't think we want that. I kind of uh, would let's... like to see it, but not, not enough to campaign for it. Yeah, no. They're, they're doing other things. But I just want to say that as, as much as I love Solo, it's still only the second greatest thing Ron Howard's ever produced. So... <laughs> I think I can suspect what the first one is. <laughs> the Bryce, yeah. the Bryce Dallas Howard thirst for Matt is is sometimes at an all time high. It's, 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 it's yeah. off the charts. The levels are. I would say fluxing. I would say, I would say perfectly reasonable. Hey, thank you, Connor. I I did say I, I am you know <laughs> lack of self control of of turning into Alden, you know, uh, on certain moments. But I have way too much self control for that. Just simping on Twitter. Everywhere. Yeah. So. Mhm. Yes. Uh. <laughs> what were we even talking about? How did we get on to? I don't know. I think we were going to go on to the news. You brought, you, Ron, you brought it. You Ron, know, cheap. It comes in. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Know, yes. I brought it, Ron Howard, and then we went on this sojourn together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember when uh, last week when uh, Connor said one of you was Tolkien? <laughs> that was <laughs> that was Tolkien esque. Uh, I can't remember who was who though. Uh, I don't recall either. I think we established Pete was told because he likes the rules too much. Oh, there you go. See, mm. but he hates tangents, so it's a little counterintuitive. Tolkien tangents for days. Yes, I know. <laughs> I don't mind the tangent if I'm interested in the tangent. The problem is, yeah, is that all of Connor's tangents are vastly uninteresting. That wasn't even my tangent. I, know. I, I love how Connor catches the blame for stuff I do. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you tangent in something I like, Matt, whereas Connor's tangents almost right. always are something that I don't want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I know, but then I enjoy them. We're rock, paper, scissors, or starter Pokemon here, where we kind of cancel each other out. I mean, if anyone wants to know why I, I sometimes will just go into a wrestling tangent, it's just to annoy Connor, because I know Connor hates yeah, it. See? It doesn't actually annoy me. I just kind of tune out and have a drink for so two wait. minutes. If, if we're all the starter Pokemon, who are we? Well, which gen are you got? I never played Pokemon, so I don't get any First of this gen. reference. First gen. All right, so, so yeah. you're talking your, your Charmander, your Squirtle, and your Bulbasaur, yeah. Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know who those are. Yeah. No, I don't. You know Charizard? Yeah. I've heard of Charizard. I don't know what the other yeah, two well, are. Charizard is... Well, he starts as a Charmander. Yeah. yeah. Well, Squirtle's a turtle, yeah. obviously. Bulbasaur is a, a plant-based uh, frog thing. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Squirrel's a turtle, obviously, because it rhymes? That's why it's obvious? Yeah, but he has, like, a squirrel yeah. tail. It's a squirtle. I don't know what it looks like, Matt. <laughs> I've not seen him. You have. He's pretty cool. He's pretty cool with the squirtle squad. Ah, oh, man. Squirrel squad. See, I can do it too, Pete. <laughs> uh, fine. You know what? Fine. Dynamite was really good this week, and I enjoyed all oh, two hours of it. It was okay. Um, I, I Hangman hit that buckshot lariat. Oof. I enjoyed the opening match. I enjoyed the closing match. I liked the all the story progression with Kenny in the box. It was good. I was into. Oh, and Brett had a good promo. I, all good stuff. I was not. I was not expecting uh, Matt Seidel and Kenny Omega to do so well to start the show. Like. Oh, that see that that two point nine 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 near fall moment yeah. where I almost thought the ref botched it. I was like, did he just botch that? Was that a botch, or was it just that close? I don't know. It was just that close. Yeah, was that, that was close. New Japan Kenny, and you know, Seidel, love him or hate him, dude can work. So, 
That match is fantastic. That that V trigger to the back of the head is an absolute no no. That's nothing I enjoy watching. And I know he hits him in the shoulder, but still, uh, nah. scary. It was good. It was good. Uh, all right, what's up? Oh. We actually we actually don't really have any real DC news. Well, I guess there's a trailer, which but, I, yeah. I I what, have two important pieces of DC which, news. Which, funnily enough, hold on, well, let me finish my, my sentence. Uh, funnily enough, uh, the trailer that came out, the Suicide Squad trailer, I've still not watched, so I really can't comment on it, but... Uh, Bro! <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? It's so good. I'm not Do you not want to see Stallone as King Sharp? I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't good. I'm not saying anything about it. I have not seen it. <laughs> but why would you not watch it immediately? I was asleep. <laughs> well, Guys, for two you days. podcast. And then, and then I, I, I was doing other stuff. I was busy, and then I kind of forgot about it. And then, do I you want to for- go watch it now? Me and Matt will just chat amongst ourselves. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'll speculate. I'll just assume. I'll assume it was good because it's. Uh, I was going to say what, what made me think about that self control issue, Connor, was Margot Robbie's Harley. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could say I'm a Harley Quinn fan now. Uh, and she's really good. She's very good. Between her and Kaylee Cuoco on the cartoon. And then all the stuff Tynan's doing with her in the comic, I, I can't deny it any longer. You know, yeah. I, um, I do it still on, on the trailer itself. I think it's a very strong trailer. I think it has a, a it has some heart in there as well. Like already, okay, I can see where the heart in this movie is okay. going to be. Um, but also, looks like it's going to be plenty of action. And I, you know, I, I, I'm surprised at how uh, how much I like the uh, Peacemaker. I think his name is is the character. Yes. You know, like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm like, because I don't really care, but I'm like, oh, no, actually, I, I kind of feel like I like what this is doing in the group dynamic. I, yeah, I, for, from based off the vibes on him, I feel like he's going to be the straight man that's not quite, like, who's still capable of being funny, but it's not on purpose. You know, like, right. everything he says is very sincere, but it's hilarious uh, because of who he is. So, and him and Elba just bouncing off of yeah, each other. Yeah, I think, in, I mean, to, to compare it to the, the other... Mm-hmm. Gun team movie yeah. with uh, with Guardians. He's he's kind of the the Drax, right? Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes yeah, a lot of sense. Lot. They're both, you know, they're both these big hulking dudes. You wouldn't assume are hilarious, right? Like so the, the deadpan comedy. Yeah, uh, but just the whole team dynamics. My my wife says this feels like a Marvel movie, but she means it as a compliment because you know we had just watched four hours of the Snyder cut. With very with little, a, with, with a lot more swearing than most Marvel movies, by the sounds yeah, of it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she just said the whole tone. This is yeah. what, this is what she kind of looks for, and especially in yeah, something I, like Suicide Squad, where the word you're looking for is fun. Yeah. So, but she was like, it just it feels like she goes, I want to see that. Like, I don't even know who half these characters are, except for you know Harley Quinn. She didn't even recognize Boomerang because she tries to forget the Air one. Not that I can blame her. Lucky her. But yeah. yeah. So, you know, Joel Kinnaman's in there too. Just being Joel Kinnaman. <laughs> like, not, not much. Like, we talk about not Peacemaker much. being that type of straight man, but he, Kinnaman is the yeah. 100%, you know, I think regular I'm, dude. I'm still a little disappointed uh, Idris Elba's not playing Franz Tiger. But yeah. yeah I'm sure, it'd be fine as yeah. Bloodsport. It was I mean, weird. He's playing someone called Bloodsport, which is weird. Yeah. Apparently, he's an, uh, an older Superman villain. But I mean, yeah, but uh, yeah, I just like they have uh, Ostrander in the trailer as well. Like, uh, yeah, you know, as, a, as an actor, he's got a little part which, in it. Uh, which is another thing, like, you know, that Marvel had done well. Because if you watch Winter Soldier, 
Uh, Ed Brubaker shows up in the background in a very similar way uh, in that film. So yeah, you know, and, uh, it, it seems like there. the the thing they seriously with the the kids because um. I think it was uh, Patrick Zercher uh, was mm-hmm. tweeting saying, oh, hey, they're using my design for the thinker. He goes, oh, I bet I'm not mentioning the credits. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim Lee popped into to, to respond and said, oh, don't, don't worry, you're there. Like, okay. So you know, it, it seems like they're actually yeah, well, taking it fairly even, seriously in that regard. Even amongst the Snyder Cut, creators are coming out and saying, like, it's cool when, with Warner Brothers, since they own everything, right? Like, they're in control of that, that every little thing they do uh, in these comic book movies, the person that created it does get a nice. They get in the in the thank in. you list usually. At the end. Well, a thank yeah. you or or money. Like I forget who it was, but they said they'd use something for Superman. Um, mm. so in Man of Steel, and it wasn't Grant, but I know Grant Morrison got a got a pr- pretty hefty one for his uh, Man of Steel line from All Star. Yeah, I um, imagine Wade got a bit as well. Yeah, maybe it was Wade. I can't remember, but they said they were, you know, it was nice that they thought of them. I think, you know. uh, as a rule, DC have been consistently better, at least over the last 20, 30 yeah. years or so. At, okay, no, having these systems in place contractually that oh. you do get credited and financial well, rewards when things are used. Their their history is very sketchy in, you know... Uh, that's finger, why I specified the last story. 30 years or so. You can't go that far. Yeah, away. yeah. So, like... Of course, they're they're covering themselves. So. Yeah, I mean, do we have uh, to bring up the creation of Batman? I mean, does that exactly? Right. No, and I yeah, mean, <laughs> that, that was like still relatively recently, it. right? That those were that was fixed in terms of you know even just with yeah. credit tapes. Yeah, that was right. like sixty plus seven, maybe even seventy plus years by the mm-hmm. time it was done. Uh, I'd have to mm-hmm. check the dates. It was long, like I think it's longer than that. Um, for still like uh, credits, like there there because uh, I'm rereading uh Morrison's. Uh, Batman in the omnibuses, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and even uh, as far where I'm up to, still doesn't have it uh, credits. Yeah, Bob Kane, I know, right? Oh yeah, I know. It was more recent than that. That's not a dispute. Yeah, yeah. I, I said seventy plus years. Batman only just turned eighty, like what two years ago? <laughs> That's true. Wait, that? you, know you said true. sixty, seventy. So I thought it was sixty to seventy. And I was like, oh, it's got to be longer. But uh, yeah, the the trailer for Suicide Squad though, very very solid. It's what you would expect yeah. for James Gunn, um, uh, King Shark. I mean, come on. He is a shark, and I can't wait to have Stallone singing the King Shark song. Yep, yep. Because it's, yeah. it's got to happen, right? Yes, you would think. It's going to be hard to top Ron Funches as, as King Shark, but Stallone might give him a run for his money. Uh, so. I think he has the absurdity appeal of, like, well, that's mm-hmm. unexpected. Yeah. Well, someone's like, okay, we got to get Schwarzenegger in there somewhere. I mean, he already has. One one DC role. Yeah, we, uh, we still don't know who Tyke is playing, right? Um, just again, uh, I mean, is it spoilers for a trailer? But just in case you're completely blind, spoilers for the, the end of the trailer. Starro is there. Uh, it's it's great, kind of great at the end where it's yeah. just oh, there's a giant Starro wandering around. Like oh, this is absurd, and I absolutely love it. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Yep. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. I, I have a feeling. I hope it is. I hope I, I hope I like a DC movie for the first time in well since Shazam, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's because I mean, Birds of Prey was great, so I'm happy still. Yeah, me too. I think I want to rewatch it. Watching this with her as Harley, I was like, she was very good in in Birds. Yeah. I should give it a rewatch. You should. It holds yeah. up. Yeah, can, can I mention that I have not liked a DC movie without Connor having to tell me about Birds of Prey? It's no. 
tiring. You're just making me hate it more. You're making me actively Sorry, hate the movie more than I ever yet. did. I was on the Aquaman review. Oh shit, that's right, it was Shazam. Shit. Yeah, we Shazam always late on. <laughs> yeah, that's I think right. Aquaman was the last one I saw in the cinemas before mm -hmm. Birds of Prey, though. So, a little while. Uh -huh. yes. Um... Okay, so uh, something that's not directly DC News, but I do think it's worth mentioning uh, mm -hmm. because it kind of follows up from DC News from last year, which is that Marvel are leaving Diamond. So remember last year when some stores would boycott DC or when people said DC was ruining the comics industry, uh, this was a terrible move and yada, yada, yada. Um, are they all boycotting Marvel now too? Is, is <laughs> Is that no, what's happening? Uh, <laughs> so the story is they're going to Penguin Random House. Yes. Uh, specifically only for their single issues, not for their graphic novels. I'll have to get... I'll, that's a separate thing I'll get to in a minute, but it's an interesting little caveat to that. Um, there are some key differences, though, between this and DC's move that I think... I, I, can I can understand why some retailers might have been more annoyed at the DC move than this, because for one you can still order these through Diamond. You can still use Diamond. Diamond will just you know, act as a wholesale retailer and all, um, buy, it, buy it. Diamond will still buy in from Penguin. But you can still place your order through Diamond with everything else if you wanted to. Um, so in that regard, stores don't have to change anything if they don't want to. Uh, but the benefits are that, uh, from what I gather, that was definitely not the case with DC, is uh, Penguin Random House don't charge for the freight shipping. So it will actually be significantly cheaper for them. Whereas with when when DC shifted to Luna as opposed to, to Diamond, uh, for some stores, the price actually went up because they still have to pay the shipping and they lost their Diamond discount. So, uh, I mean, I can see the, the reasons there. Uh, but, but the interesting thing about it, that then they're not doing their graphic novels with them because they're... Or completely forget which publisher's doing those now, but it's it's someone else. But the the reason they're not shifting is because uh, Penguin Random House have a deal with DC already for their graphic novels and such, and they have like a, a preferential treatment thing that so whatever deal they offer to Marvel has to be worse than whatever they offer to DC, like contractually. And Marvel are just like, no, we're not doing that because uh, they, they you know they can't get as good a deal. And that's that's so interesting to me that, that you you know companies like these can put in clauses with publishers going, you can't give our competition the, the deals you're giving us. Uh, that is a bit weird. Um, that's all I've got, really. It's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I don't understand business. Like, I think I do because I'm not a sociopath and business is very sociopathic. Right, so that's why I've never liked it. it it's a, it's a um, little bit pet. It's, so, you know, it's not obviously. Yeah, it's not, it's not, this is not a one to one, but it, it reminds me the feeling it gives me is when I hear about how like actors' agents have it contractually obligated that the names in the poster have to be in a certain order, even though it almost yeah. always means that they don't match the the faces in the poster, which everyone always comments on, and they've never thought, oh, we should, you know, change this because yeah. it just confuses mm -hmm. people. But whatever. Uh, business deals be business deals, I guess. Um, ultimately, I mean, I don't think it really matters that much to us uh, in the long run. Um, I think it'll be really. interesting uh, in the long run as to how this will have 
probably quite big ramifications down the line because I can't see Diamond surviving too much longer. They're, they're not going to be the big dogs anymore because you know a bunch of smaller publishers already left to go to Luna with uh, with DC last year, right? Mm. Um, they, mm -hmm. they followed that along. Now Diamond have lost Marvel, so they've got. I think they've still got like Image Boom, IDW, and a, a couple of other you know the the mid tier ones. Yeah, but is that going to be I know, enough? No, I know my shop. I mean, they they get a little bit of everything, but I mean DC and Marvel. Like the the back issues of DC and Marvel take up two whole walls, right? Because that's how yeah. much they're ordering. I mean, I would be inclined to say probably. I'm I'm ballparking here. 80% of everything most comic stores order will be Marvel and DC, and then that mm -hmm. the, the rest will just be, you know, the other 20% will just be everything else. If, I mean, even then, that may be a little ball on it. It might be, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of playing the safe here, because I don't want to put figures out there with no context. I, I would not be surprised if some stores were over 90% Marvel and DC, and then yeah. less than 10% everyone else. That wouldn't surprise me. So, yeah, yeah it's a too big... I mean, it's... It would be like if, uh, like, a uh, uh, like a computer processor manufacturer. It'd be like if both... I mean, admittedly, this is a weird comparison because PCs, you can just put whatever you want in it, but it'd be, let's say PC mm -hmm. was just a company like Mac, like Apple were, right? It'd be like mm -hmm. if PCs and Macs both said, no, we're we're just exclusively going with AMD now, so Intel's just left. Uh, 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 Nintendo, please? <laughs> please, right. Nintendo? Don't leave us, Nintendo? Yeah. That, that's basically the comparison. It's like you're losing the... The two biggest. I, I love places. how your, your your comparison to to kind of make this more digestible was probably even nerdier. Probably, probably, but it's the, it's the thing that I, mean, I don't know. What do we, okay, it's like if every it's like if every restaurant in the world decided to just go with Coke instead of Pepsi, I guess, and Pepsi's just sitting there going, <laughs> "Oh, they're we all winners." Wait, that means no more Baja Blast. <laughs> Never mind. Actually, that's kind of the opposite way around, to be honest. It's more like Pepsi and Coke are the ones that are the two yeah. big dogs. It's, it's more like... If, yeah. I'm confusing myself now because I'm trying to think of a more comparison. That's, <laughs> I'm just going to stop right now. Uh, <laughs> the point being is that it's very difficult for Diamond to remain as relevant. I mean, maybe they'll still be a wholesaler and that's just how they'll survive now. But I can't imagine they can remain as profitable as they were or as important as they were in that role. They're not going to have the grip on the industry that they once did, for sure. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens for Free Comic Book Day in the future. I think this mm. year will still be fine. I don't. I mean, I don't know if DC are even taking part. Uh, it's in August again this year, but um, Marvel aren't making this switch until October anyway. Okay. So they'll have no impact on this year's stuff. But who knows for next year? Especially if they shift it back to May, it might be. Oh well, this is all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's weird. That's weird. But hey. Um... Yeah. So you said some of DC news you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I've about? got two actual pieces of news that uh, that are interesting. Uh, the first one is Pete's favorite topic, Milestone Comics. <laughs> uh, the new Static Shock series uh, that was supposed to be launching in April has been delayed until uh, June 15th. It's supposed to be April 11th. Now, the reason for this delay is actually interesting. Because uh, this was, uh, you know, all these uh, milestone titles, as three of them launching, were all going to be, you know, the digital exclusive titles. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they are no longer. They are shifting to being 
print and digital release on the same day. Although I think they're, they're coming to DC nice. Infinite the same day as well uh, as as they launch, so you can get them on there for free still, essentially. Um, and that's the reason that this one's being delayed, is that they need to give time for retailers to order their copies, uh, essentially. Uh, right, whereas yeah. the other ones weren't starting till June and August anyway, so those haven't needed to be delayed. They can just announce it and it's fine. Uh, that's an interesting tactic. Um, uh, I mean, it, it increases visibility, which is cool, right? Like, I think if know? nothing else, getting everyone who's got a subscription, like them having the option of trying it for free if, they, if they're subscribed is mm-hmm. a good way of getting people to try a book that a lot of people may otherwise... Yeah, because... Yeah, car books keep getting more expensive. It's just hard to justify adding more to your pool list oh, when you're not sure. Um, but yeah, so it's a it's a bit weird. Um, it is. And I have to say, you know, it was a uh, Chris Comroy, uh, you know, who announced this uh, via Twitter actually. But um, he actually started his tweets with "We heard you." Brackets, especially you retailers. Uh, <laughs> so. It's clear who this was. This information was really aimed at, but I think it's still useful for you know for, for us all to know. Yeah, it makes sense that retailers would want. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, they're, they're looking at the diminishing numbers of books that DC are putting out, and they're worried that hey, like so much of your stuff is starting to become digital first, if if not digital only. So, I, I guess it makes sense for them to want to speak up about that. Um, so, uh, well, we'll we'll see, we'll see. Uh, I, I, you know, I really. First of all, I wish we still got comic sales figures because they've kind of disappeared with the, oh, the move away from uh, Diamond. Diamond haven't published any figures uh, all all year yet uh, at all, and obviously, once they lose Marvel, what they're gonna do? Yeah, but to, to, to finish <laughs> what I was saying, it, it's not just that. Not only have we lost physical numbers, we still don't get digital numbers. So, uh, I would love to know because I, I want to know the splits on these things. I want to know how well things are doing. Um, I but, think. Bizarrely, the closest thing that we have to any sort of metric right now, which is not accurate because it has no no figures attached to it whatsoever. But the only thing I can think of is uh comicsology's, you know, like best selling, you know, hot this week, you know, where they do order them in in like, okay, what is best selling right now? But I mean it's not the same, is it? It isn't the same. And it doesn't I mean, obviously we get announcements are like reorders, like you know, like uh Second printings like Nightwing got announced issue one, got a second printing. Like I just saw that on Twitter earlier today. But the the funny thing with that is though, is we have no idea what the initial order was. So knowing something's getting a second printing just means it sold better than they thought. But if they only thought it was going to do thirty thousand versus a hundred thousand, then it doesn't really mean as much. Uh, And that's why it's not that uncommon to get third, fourth, and fifth printings because presumably second printings are obviously much less, and then the third print will be even less than that. So yeah, uh, exactly. So it. It's a sign that it's doing better than they thought, but other than that, it doesn't tell us much. Uh, no, uh, it's the same thing with like that comicsology thing, where it's it's a we can kind of compare book to book as to oh well, that's doing better digitally than this book, but it doesn't tell us how much better you know what they're actually selling. I think nothing for, useful really. For, yeah, for comicsology, I think you have to look at maybe just like pick a time of the week and say that's the time I'm going to look every week, just so that you're always comparing it with the same amount of days since the books came out. And... Yeah, you probably want to do it on a. Thursday or Friday, give people a chance to pick up their books on the Wednesdays and, and Tuesdays, I suppose, now. But yeah. it's it's not the same. It's not the same, no. Um, but out of curiosity, just for experiment's sake, I've just clicked on Comicsology, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, we okay. record the same time every week, so this is as consistent a, a method as any. Uh, obviously, sure. it's a mix of Marvel and DC. Um, 
So, I'd easy book is number one. Would anyone like to guess what number one on comics is? Is it a book from this week? It is, yes. Uh, Detective Comics. It is Detective Comics, 1034. Yeah. Uh, and Marvel's Excalibur number 19 is number two. Mm. Uh, then Amazing Spider-Man 62. And then number four is The New Alien number one. Uh, number five is Action Comics, 1029. And then Cable number nine at number six. Seven is Batman Superman 16. Eight is Once in Future 17. Nine is Star Wars mm-hmm. Doctor Aphra issue eight. And then number 10 is Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's the title's too long, it won't tell me. I'll make a click on it. <laughs> <laughs> issue 12. Uh, okay. so um, they all, I don't know massively surprising in that list, right? I mean, you know, DC had, like, out of their main continuity books, they only had, like, four books. So it's it's, it's nice to see that three of them made it onto the top ten. Uh, so. Yeah. I think so. Just the four we were talking about. Because the other stuff's all, like, alternate universe. Oh, no, Harley's five. five. Oh, yeah. oh, Harley didn't make the top ten. That is actually a little bit surprising. If, uh, if anything. I don't, don't know. Maybe Rosmo's art's got more of a reputation than this podcast <laughs> <Maybe>. thinks. <laughs> Maybe it does. Uh, but hey, um, worth mentioning, you know, Teen Titans Academy uh, almost scraped in at number 11. Harley is, what, 12, 13, 14, 15, number 15. So. I'm surprised it's below Teen Titans Academy. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll make that thing. Maybe that'll be like a nice way to start the show each week, is just to check the uh, the top ten comics. Oh, damn it! Did I just give him a reason to do sales figures every week? <laughs> hey, it's a consistent time. Yeah. Now, it's worth mentioning that I'm looking at Comicsology UK. The Comicsology US list will differ slightly. Uh, so, and I I, I could true. I could go to the dot com one if people really want me to check the American one. I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. But it's probably a bigger market overall, so it's probably a more representative sample I mean, size. I, I could go there. I, I don't mean go to the I mean, US. You don't one. Need to do it now. I, just I won't. Future. I won't. But yeah, for future sake, well, maybe I'll look at the thing. But anyway, so DC won the week, though. That's the important thing. Detective Comics was number one. I think that's the most important Ding. detail out of that. Uh, all right. So, Carl, let's talk about prices. So, actually, before you start this, because I kind of where you're going with this anyway. But so we noticed something in the solicits last week that was weird, but it looked like a mistake, which was one of the books uh-huh. followed down the list. Looked like it was up a dollar, but it was the, the cardstock price and the cover still said the previous price. Um, and I do want to mention, it looks like Batman's gone up a dollar in June. Um, but uh, That one's not anymore. That one's been fixed. Oh, that's been fixed, right? Because what I was going to say is that the cover did still say four ninety nine. dollars uh, yes. so, so it's only Joker that's changing. Is that right? It is. But uh, yeah, so Joker from issue two onwards is going up to five ninety nine, and this is I mean solicited as forty pages, but that's thirty pages of of story. It's your mm-hmm. your twenty and your your ten backup, uh, which is obviously quite expensive. Um, this has been updated. You know the the covers that we did see said four ninety nine. Those covers have been updated to say five ninety nine, and this is coming from the uh, the lunar listings um, themselves. So this is. Pretty accurate. I mean, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, and I'm not saying I like this, but on a pure mathematical argument, technically a 30-page story book should be $6. If, if we accept that a 20-page book is $4, then a 30-page book should be 6 because it's 50% more pages, right? I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying I want it. I, I get where you're coming from with that, but also <laughs> this is objectively just a dollar higher than they've been charging us for years for no 
actual inputs. No, it is. Uh, and part of that, you could just argue, is inflation. I'm not, I'm not defending it, but I'm saying there is at least a logic to the math side of things that says why it should cost this much. Is it? But that's not, that's not the, the point I'm making here. My real question I want to ask, though, is why specifically Joker and why only Joker right now? Because if it was Batman, right? Let's say they were starting and saying, you know what? Batman's our most popular book. We can get away with charging an extra dollar. And they'd probably be right. And they would go do it. But why is Joker the one I, they're doing it if, with? If, if I was going to hazard a guess, because again, this is completely unsubstantiated nonsense that might yes. be coming out of my mouth here. Batman's too high profile, where there could be an immediate backlash. Mm-hmm. Whereas Joker... It's big enough that still people will probably buy it because Joker sells, but not so big that it's one of the core titles that everyone's already reading. It's like, oh, I mean, you might have liked issue one, which mm. I think was only four ninety nine. It was. Um, which, is, which is why I think, I'm wondering if there's something weird to do with this. And I, I, I don't even know what to suggest. Like why? Because it's, to do it with issue two is really odd. I mean, I suppose there's the argument of they wanted this should want to be cheaper to lure people in and then they're, they're hooked, so then we can That's raise the, the price. the image uh, argument, essentially. Yeah. But, given... Given how we typically look at comic book prices, particularly from DC and Marvel, um, it tends to be the opposite. It tends to be issue one might be special oversized or whatever and cost an extra dollar, and then it goes down to the regular price. So yeah. it goes against what they normally do, for a start. The fact that they're shoehorning it in, and not just shoehorning it into a later issue, they're sort of going back on previous solicits. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're going back and sort of retroactively shoehorning it in, which kind of feels like, and I'm not saying it is for sure, but it feels like for some reason they ha- like something about this is costing more, <laughs> and they had to retroactively fix it to not lose too much money. I don't know what it possibly could be. I have no suggestions for why it would be more expensive to produce, but... The only thing I can even think of is that for whatever reason, they're only doing cardstock covers because that's been why they've typically been adding extra ah, dollars recently. Uh, but I mean, we'll see what the digital I mean, prices. I guess. Not the digital really, up. you have a to check. pay for Gillum March art. <laughs> all, all, all I can say is, I I, I know some people enjoyed uh, Joker issue on a P included, I believe. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. good. It was better than Wonder uh, Woman. I wasn't here that week, but I think you liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I would say is if 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 you're not in love with this book, don't buy the next couple of issues because that's the only way that they're going to get the message is if people don't buy this when it goes up in price, they'll go, okay, we can't do this and we won't cut the price. If this goes well and it sells on target or above target of what their expectations are, I can be fairly confident that by the end of the year, they will be rolling this out to other books. Uh, no, you're probably right. The problem is, though, does anyone have time to change their order on this one? On Stores uh, might not. No. Uh, no. Um, but I think it, this still matters uh, digitally, and for especially for issues three and four onwards, uh, they, they definitely have time to change those. Because it always comes back to this with comics, with, with the physical books, is that you, you have this time period where you have to enact it. So... Um, so it might actually look to them, oh, issue two still doing great, but it's because they kind of bamboozled everyone by changing it uh, after right. the fact. Which is which is why I think issue three onwards will be more important to make that statement, because stores have time to adjust those still. Because even, even if it was announced in time for the stores to technically cancel their orders, I do wonder, like, is that enough time for all the people who have that on their pull list to find out, tell their stores, no, I don't want it now, and for the stores to cancel it? I mean... Almost I certainly not. Yeah. So... 
I, I, but I do wonder, is this like a, a like grounds for retailers to say, hey, well, you put the price up and there are none of my customers who wanted it want it now, so I want to return this. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a rule, DC are pretty good at returnability in circumstances mm-hmm. where things change. So it is very possible that, that if they do have a lot of unsold copies and multiple retailers are complaining, DC will allow it. Because uh, it says here that issue two is due out on the 13th of April. So that's in, what, three weeks? Yeah. So yeah, I assume they've already had the final order cast as well. Yeah. I don't think it's been too re- like too long ago, though. I th- that feels... A- I think about a month tends to be about when the final order cutoff is, right? Three or four weeks, usually, yeah. yeah. Because right. you know, obviously they, they can put in their orders from when the solicits come up, but they can adjust them up yes. until relatively late. Yeah, if you're ever on Twitter and you see retailers talking about FOC, that's just final order cutoff. That's when you have to make your order for them to... Because a lot of comic yeah. stores don't stock for the shelves. They don't only order what people are actually wanting to buy and say yeah. they want to buy. My comic store has been kind of trying to make that point a bit more transparent, where they will show the stacks of here's everything that arrived in our delivery today and here's everything that's going on the shelf after we've taken off all the, the things that are pulled for pre-orders or you know anyone who's asked for something. And even as someone who knows how much it's pre-order based, the difference is staggering. Like it is, you know, very bad. I'm in a relatively small store, don't get me wrong. Yeah. They, you know, they don't order tons, but it's... still the, the percentage is huge. It's been a it's been in a number of years now since I've even been to check, but I I remember it was a little bit different because the one option I had really was a chain store, uh, and because it was a chain store, they did order a lot of shelf copies because they were a big company, so they theoretically just did it like any other stock yeah. because they could. Right, they had a cushion. Yeah, because uh, I I remember when the New Fifty Two launch, I remember getting there being like you know like enough copies like they had copies and copies they had like they had stock to restock the the pails yeah. of copies on the shelves to, to be fair i would say even smaller stores probably did and a, a, a huge thing like that where they thought oh we we want copies for people to true but I, I mean it, it it wasn't just like a that first issue thing though it was that just was the normal experience getting in there uh yeah as whatever you know whatever i went into forbidden planet in the uk they just always have tons of shelf copies of everything um, at least to a point. I'm not saying they couldn't run out because they would maybe later in the week. But the idea of like getting there on comic day and there had not been copies left of something was just unheard of. Like it was, there was it, nothing to worry about. It's it's interesting because in in my experience, um, where I live, I have access to two chain stores and one independent store. And there were times I could go in on a Wednesday. And all three stores would be out of stock of a book, like not a book that I knew I was, you know, it wasn't on my pull because I, I didn't know I was going to get it. I just, oh, I'd seen it on, you know, a day before. I was like, well, I'll see if they, if anyone has that tomorrow, mm. and nothing. And and that's, you know, even with two chains that are overordering compared to the smaller one. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Joker's went up in price a dollar bizarrely. So it's a six dollar book starting with issue two. Um. It's so. an awful lot for a Commissioner Gordon story. Yeah, well, and the Harper Row punchline story, just to mm. be fair it's, to it. It's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a lot for any story, if, if I'm being honest, uh, for 30 pages of content. It, it feels like yeah. it, I shouldn't <laughs> be paying that for a lot of books. Not for a lot, but here's the thing, though. I think there's an easy dismissal here because it's Joker and a lot of people don't want to support a Joker book anyway. But this is the thing. 
if let's say there was like a sequel to Doomsday Clock, right? And they were charging six dollars mm-hmm. for thirty pages of uh, an issue, we'd all be getting that book, and we wouldn't even really oh, think yeah, twice about you're it. You're talking yeah. Jeff Johns, Gary Frank. Yeah, I know. But... If, if, yeah. Uh, I, no, I, I, I don't think I would. I think if it, you know, no, honestly, like so. Cara, issues, Cara, I can... Cara just leaves the show. If if all the prices go up, Cara's just gone. Well, that's what he's effectively saying. I just I worry about this following suit at DC, and then that means I'm reading a lot less. Right, I, I already have to my budget. Many, yeah. Books. Uh, you know, I mean, six dollars for a comic. You know, it's it's already but, one thing where I'm like justifying like anthology books that are like you know six or right. whatever whatever these anthology ones are eight dollars I think they are. I don't yeah. know. It depends on the book. I think, they're, I think they're eight dollars because yeah, um, but they're like three issues worth. I can kind of justify it because I'm like, okay, well, I'm getting a lot of content for that uh, right. in terms of my, my value. Whereas this here, if I'm getting not not you know not enough value for the amount that I'm paying, especially when something like DC Universe Infinite exists, and that's I think eight dollars a month. I'm like, I can't I can't support that business practice at that point of like, no, I can't be gouged that much. It's just too much. Uh, what I'm saying here, I'm not pointing out or debating anyone's choices. What I'm saying is that there is a layer of, not hypocrisy, I don't want to call it hypocrisy, but there is a layer of, there are certain books that everyone will cave on for this. Or at least most people. Cars claiming he won't cave for any. But I think most people have books that they will cave on for a certain price. And once they've caved on some, there's almost no putting the, the cork back in the ball once once we're at that point. Quite likely. And for me, it's like I can I can deal with it when it's like, oh, a, a one-off issue. I, you know, a first issue is overpriced or, you know, oversized. I can uh-huh. kind of like, all right, I can live with it. It's not ideal, but I can, I can live with it for an issue here or there. But if it was every book was this much, mm. I mean, I would have to like half the amount of books I read. Just on on budget, mm-hmm. if they all went up this much. The cynical, the cynical part of me is thinking that well, what happens when they take away the backup stories? Does it go down one dollar then to four ninety nine? Uh, and honestly, I think Marvel have already been kind of testing the waters with like standard books being four ninety nine. So we're kind of on the cusp of that reality yeah. in general. That's, that's still quite a lot. like it's not been that long realistically since we went up to three ninety nine. In in terms of keeping pace with inflation, especially, which is kind of the argument that's tended to be thrown out uh, for, mm-hmm. for this. That's way ahead of the pace of inflation. Yeah. It's, uh... It's weird. It's weird. Um, when I started getting books back in 04, they were $1.99. <laughs> I mean, we are still within a decade of DCs holding the line at two ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was only 10 years ago. Yeah. And they put everyone back to 299 at the start of Rebirth as well. So, I mean, yeah, that was only five years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. The ongoing comic price problem is something that's ever going to be there, really. Um, but uh, it, we just have to play it by ear. There is a cynical part of me, though, that thinks that DC are okay with this because it'll shift more people towards their online service where you just, ah, oh, here's your flat fee and I don't, I don't see how that's sustainable for them. But I mean, I do wonder if it's somewhere. Right? I mean, according to that was particularly bad. That one. That was rough. Oh yeah, I love this POS computer. 
Um, yes. What are you there, there are certain uh, corners of the internet that keep claiming DC is going to be stopping production of all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so. uh, clearly been widely debunked by this point. I would like to think. Yeah, but you know they still hang on to it. Mm-hmm. Because they're dumb. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. I'll make ultimatums. Uh, Connor likes to say things i won't do this if this and i won't do that if that and i'm not saying that to poke poke fun at him i'm, I'm more just saying i don't really think in those terms uh whether or not i read joker 2 like it's it's kind of just going to come down to what's out that week and do i feel like i'm not reading enough if i don't i i, I was going to say the answer is probably not a lot because right now there's not a lot anyway. I, yeah there isn't that's that's the weird thing about it is that you know you talk about reading less books but we actually kind of are reading less books right now bizarrely anyway um, the problem perhaps becomes when the lines back up to kind of full swing and the books are more expensive. That's when some potentially mm-hmm. tough choices may have to be made. Um, comics t- kind of have a way, though, of like giving you enough that you don't want to read. I, I, I don't, I, I've never had too much of a trouble getting it down to what I consider to be a reasonable amount, but we'll see. We'll see how oh, it goes. I definitely have. I'm pretty confident saying Mad's definitely been there as well. Uh yeah. <laughs> Very articulate, Matt, for the audio listeners. Yeah, I just said, uh huh. It's, <laughs> I, there's, I have a budget. I can't go over it. it it's that simple. You go and... over it every week. That's fabled budget. <laughs> no, but there's, there's, there's your ideal budget, and then there's yes. the reality budget. Yeah. Well, I can stretch an extra two bucks. I mean, I have been buying trades because it's been smaller weeks, right? Yes. Like, it's fine. But, like, Stuff starts getting to six dollars. I'm not going to be able to justify that, you know. I mean, just in, in like from my own part, I uh, due to a lot of Marvel books going to four ninety nine, I have switched over to, to Marvel Unlimited uh, yeah. for almost all of my. There are only like two or three Marvel books I read uh, weekly now. Everything else I read on Marvel Unlimited, uh, which is actually only three months behind now. Uh, yeah, I guess they felt they had to compete with uh, DC Universe switching to, to mm-hmm. six months. Yeah. Um... Like I say, you know what? Charge double for it and make it day and day, and I'll, I'll I'll happily get your service and never look back. Hell, charge triple for it. I don't care. Don't give yeah. them ideas. No, I, I mean, right now though, it's still a great value. It's just you are six months behind, and for us, that's not ideal. Yeah, it's if not they, feasible. If they do a premium version, which is thirty dollars a month, but every new comic is day and day, that is less than what I spend in comics a month. That is a good deal. Yeah. True. I, like, I, like to me that's that's perfectly fine that's the premium you pay for getting them upon release I do wonder if that is I mean not to spin this into all the conversation but maybe the future of those services is uh, tiered systems of here's your basic and here's your premium to get them sooner um, I mean this is completely subjective because I'm someone who reads digitally anyway I realise people who read physical books just see nothing but doom and gloom when we start talking about this stuff but for me that model would be perfect and would save me money. <laughs> I mean, I I did even just the other day. I I think I recommended to one of our listeners that you know, hey, you know, if 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 you're having you know budgetary problems and you're having to cut back on your comics, I do recommend picking up you know DC Unlimited and you know, Infinite and Marvel Unlimited because for the prices they offer, yeah, you're a little bit behind, but you'll be able to read still a lot of stuff. Well, everything for, like you know the cost of like two books. Yeah, you can really read everything basically. If you want to. Pretty much, yeah. There are uh, very few exceptions. I think I think Marvel doesn't have the Conan stuff for whatever reason. Okay. That's weird. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're weird, but... 
Uh, yeah, so, no. So, I hope they do come day and day at some point. I mean, you know, by all means, char charge more for it if that's what the, what's going to make Remember it work. Remember when day and date was a big thing in the new 52? That was just That selling... was around the time of Hold the Line yeah. 299, wasn't it? That yeah. was just selling digital comics, yeah. I know, remember, I'm like, like... Things are coming a long way it... in the last decade. Like, yeah, it's astonishing. Years. Yeah, which is why I'd love to see those digital numbers. Yeah, I mean, only. They keep saying they're, they're, they're not growing anymore, but I'd I, love to see what it is year to year. I don't need to have, like, every month's breakdown like we used to, but I would love to know what digital are selling compared to what print books were. Don't worry, the new Comicsology Weekly Top 10 segment is uh, now part of the show. And we will... Oh, thanks, Connor. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry about this. I, truly. <laughs> From the bottom of my non-existent soul, I am very sorry. Yeah, it means a whole lot of nothing. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, okay. Shall we talk about comics? Or shall we? Yes. Shall we do that? Aki's um, on in, in, in a bit. I, I, Matt. If I if I could explain to you how little I care that hockey's gone in a bit as means to me, it, I mean the TV goes on and you know, so I'm just telling you. All right. So what we're saying is we'll leave action comics till last, so the mass to talk about it while the hockey. Bye by me if you want to rip through Philip Kennedy Johnson and give him disrespect. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, at least, hey, the one silver lining today is that I found out if the DC put their books up to five ninety nine, Connor's going to leave. So DC, please put your books up to five ninety nine. <laughs> I have principles. What do you want me to say? <laughs> uh, I stop by those principles this very week. Pushing the line at five ninety nine. Come on. <laughs> That's just mean. You guys are friends. <laughs> are we though? <laughs> <Hey, just... laughs> that's a good question, Connor. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about books. Let's talk about books. Okay. Uh, Detective Comics 1034, Mariko Tamaki writing with Dan Mora on art. Uh, this is the start of the run. Uh, we're introduced to some supporting cast members. We're given, you know, the status quo. This is, well, Batman's dealing with Batman's relationship with various other Bat characters. This is very much just Batman on his own, living in, like, admittedly, quite a fancy expensive area I would, but still i would say that that batman's the gotham book and this is the bruce wayne book sure that's that's fair uh yeah. but this is you know actually dealing with him living in like an apartment now it's admittedly he's still with gotham's elite which just shows you how yeah. how separate he was he, having his own mansion yeah. he, <laughs> he went from like as like i don't know where like the really wealthy people live in new york but I do know, like, the ones that live in the city live in certain areas. Yeah. So he went from where the, like, really wealthy live out in big mansions to the moderately wealthy yes. in the city. The, the nice and, area. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I just, I like Tamaki's entire vibe of describing Gotham through these people. Um, Like, turns out Tamaki's a really good writer, right? Yeah, Tamaki uh, is really good. Um, so. It's... Yeah, this this book sets up some interesting stuff with some new characters. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Neil, particularly, uh, name sticks mm -hmm. out, but it has, has some other interesting uh, kind of kind of set up. I, I I do love when a run gets a supporting cast, but this also seems to be the book that might most directly deal with the mayor stuff. Uh, mayor Nicano, uh, who's heavily featured in this book. Some of the characters that are interested are also kind of related to his uh, his office. Uh, but we have you know Bat Bruce is at a, like a. Was that a fundraiser or some sort of party? 
Uh, he's he yeah he's at like a, a fundraising type event where all you know all of Gotham's elite are there at least partially. Yeah, yeah. and he's there. Just listening to what's going on, but some clowns show up, some remnants of the Joker War, basically. Um, mm-hmm. So Bruce has to run off. So some great action sp- pages here, uh, particularly when Batman dives back in. It was a really good panel, actually, I thought of... Uh, I think it's some of the staff, like, hiding under a table. Uh, or maybe some really of the guests. heavily shadowed. Yeah, I thought it was a really good panel. Yeah, it was gorgeous, that panel. Yeah, uh, it really sold the fear of them. Um, but you have the bickering from the, the, the mayor's people, you know, Neil, who's, like, the head of security... Uh, you know, wanting to leave and Nakano being like, no, 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 I'm staying here till everyone's safe. But I do kind of like the the final beat of this because they've set up the Nakano whole like anti-vigilante thing so well that at the end of this scene was okay, the situation's been contained. But uh, sir, it was a, uh, it wasn't the SWAT team. It was uh, it was Batman. Batman secured the room. And he's uh, like, God damn it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like that. This, this still pl- the, the themes are really well uh, thought out. Uh, also, Bruce finally realized what he'd put Alfred through all those years, making him work in a cave. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's trying to build I mean, his own like mini bat caves. His cave was a lot nicer. Yes. Yeah. He's literally in a mud pit. Like, that's where Bruce's new cave is. Under, under you know, like these tunnels in Gotham that have been basically condemned. Um, and that's, I think, some really good more art, too. Like, we know more is really good at, like, the action-y stuff. But, but here... Like Bruce toiling away in the like, I feel his physical presence. You know, like uh, the the ache and the pain. Something uh, that always uh, seems to. I mean, obviously this isn't all on more more unless he called it himself. But I don't think he did. Uh, but, I think Bella does the colors on yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. But is that I always feel like his art is accompanied by really strong color direction. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is that the party has a lot of reds, but particularly when the fighting yeah. starts. But then when you go to the tunnels, it's a lot of muted greens. So. Mm-hmm. It's a very distinct thing where as soon as you turn the page, because there's some comics where I feel like, and it's not that the art's bad per se, but there are some comics where it just feels like 20 pages of like constant like lines and info, right? Like constant stuff. Right. Whereas this, like you turn the page and there's like just no question, you're in a different location, you're in a different part yeah, of the world, like, different part of the city. It really plays with the tone and the mood. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like this this vibe in, in the tunnel where it's all like these greens and yellows and shadows is completely different than the you know the boardroom that's a lot of red yeah you know, even just the on that page in. you have uh like the the above ground shots on on both those pages in the cave they're mm-hmm. a little bit and it's just you know it's natural light it's you know you kind of pleasant smooth warm colors and then it cuts to the the greens and the, you know and the and the, the blacks underground and it's just so different yeah and then you go to the you know his new street and it's you know all the warm orange of the the street lights and you know it's just a very different yeah. very sort of sandy tones and whatnot the, the building and the brick and whatever yeah Be- Belair's really great at this stuff yeah and we're interested so we get this like you know this socialite woman who comes up and is like hey Bruce you have to come to this party and he's like really she's really already. she's really overly friendly she's hugging him in fact honestly the facial expression on Bruce as he's been hugged from behind is one of my favorite mm-hmm. little bits of ca- it's, art it's, in this she's like how lovely is this and he's just there going Lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel you. I've, I, I've never related to Bruce Wayne more than that one. <laughs> I do love her in a, in like a, a, a nosy neighbor kind of way. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's so annoying. She's endearing. When when I say I hate her, I mean that in a, in a very good way in that. Yeah. I hate, I hate that type of person naturally. Yeah. Like I just, I just can't a happy get A person. That. Connor hates happy people. <laughs> I, I, I hate people with too much energy. 
but like, like I know, instantly got I yeah, I instantly got her vibe and how much that contrasts with Bruce never having to have neighbors, and now yeah. this is the neighbor he has, and it yeah, I just it's it's a nice little twist in the Bat mythos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I even mention his narration, this is the first time he's probably ever had neighbors, really, <laughs> because he's always been at the mansion. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we meet a bunch of different characters. Notably, there's a couple uh, with the, the rich wife, uh, Sarah Worth, and her husband, who's like sort of like basically just leeches money off of her. Not that I mean, but seem, they seem to like each other, but he's, it mentions that he's on his third startup in as many years. So, presumably, it's mm-hmm. her money that he's uh, wasting constantly. Yeah. Uh, the last good journalist in Gotham, who of course hates Bruce, uh, which you know <laughs> pleases him. Um, Makes sense, right? I also I thought uh, so. The woman who's shown him around, uh, Lydia. Uh, if there's anything with the art, and it's not so much a complaint, more of an observation, is at the end of that page where she's introducing people, and she says, "Let's drink." She looks like she's been infected with Joker toxin. The way that the the smell is yeah. to me. You can tell Pete hasn't been to many pies. I just feel like she's a. Because they're not in the suburbs, but is that suburban wife? It's wine time. Yeah, like, right. exactly. It's like, oh, we, we, it's time. Let's get, let's get the pie started. We, we get it. You, you love your, your booze, but like, yeah, no. Um, yeah. But you know what Pete's saying too? It is a I little do. bit it's, over it's, the top. It's, it's over-exaggerated. But, I, but it, it did work for me. Yeah. Wait, so now Carter's relating to heart because she wants booze. Is that what yeah. we're saying? Yes. No, I just drink when I want to. I have to make a big deal about it. I just pour myself something. Every day. Most days. <laughs> I I have no problem with that. Uh, I don't have a drink problem. I love drinking all the it's time. It's not a problem if I'm only having like one glass. <laughs> it's not a problem if I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem as long as I can afford to keep buying it. I can count the amount of times I have been drunk in the last year on one hand. Yes, but you saw that one hand three times. <laughs> No, no. Legitimately, I don't. I don't get drunk very often. Okay, okay. Very defensive. That's all I'm saying. I am defensive because it is very healthy, appropriate drinking, and it's not my fault that you don't drink a damn thing. (laughs) Anyway, yes, on on the party. Yes. Uh, basically, Bruce talks about how these elite, like, they talk about what's happening in the city. Oh, it's terrible, all these, the crimes happen in the city. But they live in this little cornered-off rich area. It's, it's just stories from a distance, you know, what does he say? It's, it's, it's not a fire, it's a, it's a slight, uh, what, ember, or something he calls it, mm-hmm. to them? Candlelight. Candlelight, that's what it was. Yeah, it's a candlelight to a fire. And, uh, but I, so I love that. I love that, like, Sure, Joker War happened in Gotham, but it really didn't touch them because they're so, you know, you know they have that wealth provides a wall around them. Yeah, and it, and I can almost see the commentary of Tamaki going, "Hey, this is kind of how, um, uh, the magistrate gets in, right? Is everyone should have that wall, you know? And that's the once it affects them, then they can start using their influence to, to change things." Um, because then we we get with the mayor in his office, um, and they're talking about the same kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, he uh basically they're looking for a scapegoat for why all this happened, and someone said we should blame the head of security, and then Neil, who's the head of security, is like, "What? That's bullshit! I told you to leave." 
this was not what I said. Um, uh, and Batman's looking into you know the gang who showed up, and of course he tracks down some of them, and they're basically a bunch of idiots that he takes out fairly quickly. But uh, the big thing that happens towards the end of the the main story here is that so the the, the rich wife with the startup guy, uh, she's like someone chaps her door and she opens it and she's kind of sleepy. It's like one o'clock in the morning. She says, um. And, you know, it cuts, you know, there's a black panel at the bottom sort of indicating sort of a lights out. And Bruce is just going home the next day and he hears like commotion and screaming. And the husband has come home and he's like, my wife is missing. There's broken glass all everywhere. Something's happened here. Something's wrong. And the last page, we just see this guy, Neil, who was mentioned, by the way, Neil is Lydia's husband. Uh, even though yeah. we, we never see them interact really in the issue, but she yeah. mentions her husband, Neil, works for the mayor. And then we see, of course, Neil and the mayor mm. stuff. But we just see him walking down, notably a sewer with the same colouring that we saw earlier on when Bruce was down there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that he's going to find a back cave or anything. I think just thematically, the idea that he's also part of the underbelly. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's you know. underneath. So, uh, but he's got blood all over his hands. So Neil's a bit unhinged, is what I'm going to say. Uh, and the final point Bruce makes in his narration is that uh, maybe you know the nightmare of Gotham has finally arrived at the elite's doorstep. So. There you go. That's uh Yeah, it's uh I don't want to say I like it more than the other Batman book, but I do say that the because they're so different, mm-hmm. but I feel like I like this vibe just a little bit more of the story he's telling. I like how different they are. Because this is mm-hmm. kind of going back to, you know, when I complain about the same writer on two books, right. you know, the the same two mm-hmm. books like Superman and Action, for example, is that they tend to have a, a familiar feeling between them because it's one mm-hmm. person these could not feel more different between detective and batman and that's why i like most because it's fine you can like one or the other you can like both you can have preferences and if you only like one great you've still got one book you know you've got good chances uh, and i think it's safe to say both are a pretty high quality right now yeah uh, i mean like, i mean you know, tamaki I, i've liked her work so it wouldn't surprise me if i do end up liking this more mm-hmm. uh it, it makes sense that I would, to be honest. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think the mystery is good. I think that, you know, I honestly think that just because it's called Detective Comics, it has to be the one where Batman's more detective-y. That's, that's something people mm-hmm. always say, is, oh, Batman should be the action book and Detective should be the detective book. But I do think one of them should be detective-y. I don't really care which one it is. Yeah. But this one yeah. does feel like it is. Because, I mean, there's literally a missing person. We know who's done it, mm-hmm. seemingly. At least heavily implied, right. at least. Um. Right. Uh, but the idea that Bruce is investigating all these new neighbors, he's in, he's in an uncomfortable position where he's having to deal with all these new faces around him. Um, it gives us like a sort of cast, and it's it's not quite a you know Agatha Christie people in a house style thing. But, but the it's idea, similar. Of, but but think of the idea of the street and all these characters we've been introduced mm-hmm. to that that come to these parties. We have this set of cast that are going to pop up at least in this arc, if not the run. And I think that's uh, an interesting vibe. But yeah, like I said, the coloring direction is really good. The way it makes mm-hmm. each scene feel distinct, uh, thematic stuff. I think Bruce's narration is pretty interesting. Um, and I enjoyed the future state issues that Tamaki did. But I think, mm-hmm. like a lot of the stuff switching to the ongoing run, ongoing runs, I should say, um, seeing her just get to tell uh, what is the start of her real sort of Batman story is very exciting. Yeah, I think we all agreed that the, especially the Detective Comics uh, future state stuff felt like it, it wasn't really a full story it was just here's, here's like a, an idea and you know it set out the like a, a template of where we're kind of heading and a tone 
rather than telling an actual story, whereas this here does feel like the start of a story, for sure. That's uh, just a bit more exciting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very good. Uh, I suppose we should rate the main story before we move out the backup. Matt, what are you uh, giving this? Uh, I'm going to give this a, a solid 8. Connor? I think I'll agree with the 8. Oh, 8.5. Maybe a little bit more positive on it. Uh, then we have the Robin backup, the Damien backup. Uh, I shouldn't really say Robin, technically, even though the book's still going to be called Robin's I, something. Yeah. Whatever. Because um, <laughs> he's technically not Robin right now. So, we, we talked last week about stuff feeling half an issue, right? Mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest problem with that this backup is basically Robin issue one, or you could say zero. This, um, this was Robin issue zero split into two parts. Yeah. Yeah. Arbitrary and reasons. so... And that's yeah. okay because so, yeah. So what you're saying, Matt, is that this this backup and this one felt the second half of the issue. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> right. And okay, that's okay. I just wish I almost rather have gotten this as a zero issue. As a one know? part, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, because this could have been issue one of a Robin series, mm-hmm. and it would have just functionally before we get into it would yeah. have flowed. It would have had your introduction. Would have had your cliffhanger at the end. Everything yeah. about yeah. it would have worked exactly perfectly well as an issue right because here it's a little bit confusing with how the last issue ended right where there was a you know a knife kind of deal yeah and we didn't know what had happened here it's it's still not exactly as clear um yeah it's basically just that they they win like you know damien and talia win talia took the guy out herself by the look of it and yeah but like maybe just stands there watching yeah, and that, that's the thing. Oh, that just, gets just, me. It's to, like... just before you go before you get the story stuff, I, the, the, I guess the one positive of being split in two like this mm-hmm. is that technically it was cheaper. Technically, this this would have been a four dollar book if it was in one. As it is, it kind of cost two dollars in a way. I I agree. I will <laughs> say, I mean, but only if you were buying both of those books already. True, true. Um, right. And I will say is I will judge this potentially harsher after I read the first issue of the actual Robin mm-hmm. series. And if I feel like this was essential, like if this doesn't do a good sure. a good job of contextualizing and recapping, I will damn this a lot more. I actually, just being- I have some faith that it will feel like a proper issue one. I Partly because this feels like it's setting up a concept and all on the cliffhanger, it feels like they can start issue one and we don't have to have it explained to us too much yeah. what, what a tournament is. <laughs> like no. we know a tournament. Um, no, I just I just want to say from the where this picked up on and that, where I was going with it, it's that cliffhanger doesn't really pay off, right? Because we kind of get Talia handling things while Damien kind of watches. So I do Literally feel the like the first page is just oh Talia's got it. Well, I, I guess right. well, that's that's kind of the point though is that it, if if this is just an issue split in two, it wasn't a cliffhanger. It was just meant to be the page before the right. next page. That's, <laughs> but that's just the way that it was handled. Like they, they if, like I feel like they knew they were going to split it. You know, like I don't feel like Williamson went. Well, I wonder, did they know? Like when when Williamson wrote this, that was it already yeah. planned to be a split in two backup story. That that said, they I, knew it was going to be split into two, so you could have adjusted things just a little bit I to make it a little bit more they clear. Didn't know when it was written, they definitely adjusted a little bit because that right. the previous the page that was the last page in the first half functioned as a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. um, mm. and I think that would be too neat to happen on exactly page ten. If, if it wasn't planned that way. So I think they, they maybe, you know, re-edited the last couple of pages, perhaps, to make it flow into a cliffhanger. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm saying, though. So they didn't know when they wrote it. So they, they, they patched then kind of an ending to the first half to make it feel I more cliffhanger so, yeah. yeah. 
And then, but as a result, the, the first, the start of the second half doesn't necessarily feel like it's the start of a story. It just feels kind of like, oh. And I or guess jumping mid, right, in, right in the middle of stuff happening. And to be fair, I do think it's harder to make the the start of this feel like the start of a mm-hmm. issue than than it is to make the ending right. of the last one feel like so, a cliffhanger. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's it. I wanted to pull it on and just get the negative out of the way because I really like the whole rest of this. I, yeah, I, I what I'll well. say I like about this is that. I love that Talia casually mentions this tournament because she mentions the Laz- the League of Lazarus, uh, and how they were kind of the third like you know branch of all this, and but they split away early on. But there's a tournament, the, the Lazarus tournament, and I love that the conversation continues for like a, a bubble or two or a panel or two, mm-hmm. and then Damien goes, "Wait, did you say tournament?" And I'm like, "Damien's been playing Mortal Kombat. He hears tournament. Mm-hmm. He wants to go to this thing." She, I actually knew lettering as well. That, that bit, yeah. like, because it's it's right at the bottom of the page when he realizes and it comes back to that uh-huh. uh, as opposed to where it's the top of the page where the uh, the tournament's mentioned mm-hmm. right. and it's like you know the the it's all bold of course as you'd expect but it also has this big red outline around the bubble and mm-hmm. you know one of the words is red as well it really pops out especially in such a shadowed panel uh, oh, i just great. love how he he is pointing up both sides of himself right so like he's talking like batman where wait this is a case He's like, I yeah. studied everything. I, I know yeah. all of the details of our family. I was at the back computers for years. How could I not know about this? Why was it kept from me? It's like, Wait. hang on a second. Wait, a tournament? What tournament? Like, yeah. And then it, it plays to that part of him. And just Talia knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah. She is leading him along because she knows how to get what she wants. And, you know, I like here, too, that she talks about, like, she almost has nothing left now because Leviathan was stolen from her. And, like, it's almost like she's proclaiming to Damien, this is our birthright as all goals. You know, this this tournament. But one of the points and, as well here is that she's disappointed that he hesitated and didn't kill the guy right from the end right. of the first part. And I think it's important to mention that when she's, you know, on the helicopter at the end and she's saying, hey, so you, you will, you know, be one of my assassins, you will drop this bat fillery. But he does duck out. So it, it does feel like he, he obviously... He out of the helicopter. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's... It's not like he's just given up being Rob and now he's going full, you know, League of Assassins Damien. It does kind of feel like, what, to what was being said earlier, the idea that he's kind of taking some qualities of both, but it doesn't seem like he's ready to just be a killer yet. But I will just say, everything about this tournament feels very Mortal Kombat. Like, and I, I'm thinking the Mortal Kombat movie specifically. There's a tournament somewhere... Uh, they have to get to, you know, because, like, you know, when we get, so even though it says to be continued in Robin issue one, there's a couple of epilogue mm-hmm. pages to the back. I mean, it does say also after that, but first. Yes. To uh-huh. make sure you turn the page for whatever reason you weren't going um, to. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I don't think it'd be unreasonable, especially in a, a digital book where you don't really feel how many pages are left. If you, right. if you just said, well, you know, to be concluded then or to continue then, but there was no at first, I totally get why some people would just close the book <laughs> at yeah. that. Well, I don't because that... I need it to mark red, but. <laughs> Yeah, me yes, too. Me too but... sure. I, I, I read, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a fun way to end it. Like, because Pete says Mortal Kombat, I'm thinking of Mortal Iron Fist, like the, you know, that tournament between the seven cities. I, I had to bring it down in in class here, but yeah. I mean, I'm bringing it down in class for the Mortal Kombat movie, apparently. Uh, yeah. But you know, there's also obviously things like yeah, you got know, some Hunger Games influence coming in as well. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. I um, the young adults shit into this. What? But, but, so... I said I was going to bring it down in class. Yeah, how how dare you bring young adult stuff into comics? Hey, hey, there's a tease. I'm angry that they're they're addressing all things. There's a tease that Rose is going to be in this tournament, which Mm -hmm. I'm all for. We have have Rose, one of the Batman Inc. Batman, so I'm not sure who, but he looks like the the 
I want to say one of the South American ones, just with with the scar. No, they don't have. It could be, but they didn't tend to use the ears as much, did they? No, they did so like the bandanas. Like, you know, like I I do yeah. know him from that run. You yeah, know, he is he is in the the Club of Heroes. You know, yeah. you got Rose, and you got that new character they're bringing in that I forget her name. Um, looks like a, a tarantula down there at the bottom. Um, but yeah, and so you're like, oh, these are all like the best hand-to-hand combatants minus Cass, right? Because we all know she would win, so we, we can't put her she's there. Too good for this. Oh yeah, yeah she's too she's good. Too good they don't, don't want to tell her about it. They want to have a fighting chance. And I'm like, who is this that they are? They're talking out because now we go to, back to the League of Lager, uh, Lazarus. Um, or no, this is the League of Shadows. This is the League of Shadows, yeah. Because yeah. they're hoping to to beat the League of Lazarus. And so their fighter, because they're talking about Damien going in, oh, he's been trained by the bat, he may be good enough. And then they say, and they start teasing the close ups of the, you know, the, the, the fists and the feet. And yeah. it's like, no, who, who better to kill a bird, to kill a robin, than a hawk? What? <laughs> I I mean I knew that we were getting someone that we that we knew was going to be in this series because you know, we yes. talked about the cover they redacted yes. right with the which but yeah if you said you knew it was going to be Hunter Hawk I'm going to call BS yeah I, I, not a chance would I have guessed that um which on a meta level I just love because they are both the bastard sons of Ollie and Bruce right and they both kind of serve that purpose of being the you know, the not like their father to kind of learn to be better. Right. Whereas I feel like they're inverses or or if that's the right word of each other, where traditionally Connor Hawk was, you know, raised in a monastery and he's not hot headed and he's the opposite of his dad, you know? And so when he meets Ollie, it's this whole type thing, right? That how, how can I be descended from someone so different from me? where Damien's the opposite with Bruce, right? Where he was raised, you know, as a killer, and he has to learn to not be that. Uh, and now we're going to put them on opposite ends of the tournament. And, well, oh, man. It's, it's going to be the exciting. finals. Con- Connor Hawk was going to be the one trying to sweep mm-hmm. the leg at the yeah. end, right? Really? I mean, <laughs> is he, though? Or is he, or is he Danielson? Are you, suggest- Are you suggesting Damien's the villain? I think it's possible, and uh, given um, the context here. Okay, if anybody's gonna go to Cobra Kai, it's Damien, not Connor Hawk. Well, hey, right, but to be fair though, this is the League of Shadows that are putting Connor Hawk out of the tournament. That's hardly a good place True. to be coming from. And so, uh, on top of all of that as well, Connor Hawk's been gone a very long time. Uh, he disappeared yes. during New Fifty Two, uh, and even before that, I remember reading his book, um, like way, way back, and and yeah, so. He's been gone a very long time. The fact that he's still around, I love. I love that now it seems like, despite not having a book for a long time, the Green Arrow family is on the rise. Yeah. You know? I think I think it shows that our generation of readers are kind of getting up there now. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, you hell of that, you know, early to mid 2000s DC yep. comics, kind of which is where we, we all like, love that stuff. I, uh, I, I got that feeling from Tom Taylor, which I don't know how old Tom Taylor is, but I'll say he's kind of in our generation. I think right? he's a fan of that period. I feel it from him. Yeah. I feel it from Tynan. Tynan. I feel it from Williamson. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they all have like these similar well, uh, things of, okay, we love a lot of these same characters th- that were this, popular at that period. This happens yeah. with everything when you get the, the creators start being the same age as you, right? And yeah. I, I'm not just bringing up wrestling tonight, Connor, but one of, one of the weird things that someone pointed it out is. this week 
that I felt was that Tony Khan, who runs AEW, he's a fan of a certain generation that's fairly close to ours. So a lot of the weird things he does in references and stuff are the songs that he'll buy the rights to, uh, <laughs> which he did again this week for Orange Cassidy. It, it feels like... He got a like, pixie song. He got yeah, a pixie like... song, yeah. Like, it feels like... Oh, wait. Someone of my... Uh, not crowd. My... Uh, what was... It it it's like your cohort or your generation. Like it's my pe- one of know. my peers. One of my peers yeah. is in charge now, and all of a sudden, it feels more relevant to me than it ever has. Uh, and maybe that's the same yeah. thing that's happened here, where a lot of these creators that we're really starting to love now, like like Tynan and Taylor, like uh, you know, like was it a cheap pop to throw Connor Hawk there at the end for someone like me? Absolutely. But the story that they're telling here with. How do you kill a Robin, but with a hawk? The story stuff there justifies them besides going, hey, look, you remember Connor Hawk? He's here now. It's like, no, Williamson has a plan for this, and I'm here for it. Like, I remember being kind of negative on, oh, why are we getting a Robin back up? And then they announced the series, right? And then as soon as they announced that series, I was in. And now I'm doubly even more in. Like, if I had any doubts, this this backup. Yeah, Completely I still think this should have just out. been a first issue, but other than that, right. uh, I do like the content that's here. Yeah. Uh, just like 100%. the presentation, and, the split. And, uh, just... and Mel Kid, how do you, I can never say his Mel name Cobb. all the way. Yeah, that guy. Uh, his art, I think, it's so, like, I love the, the solid lines and almost the blockiness. It adds to the action. And it also reminds me of that era that we're talking about that it seems like Williamson and Tynan and Taylor. That was the art style of the time. You know, almost mcginnis but not quite. It's a little bit more refined than that. Yeah, I see where you're coming so. from with that, for sure. Uh, I think it's exciting for us as fans of that period where, mm-hmm. okay, you know, our, they say our peers are there, and, and uh, you, know, you know, absolutely does happen in other industries. I think it's just, it's notable that for comics we're here now, because we were kind of edging towards it when, like, when Snyder took over Batman. He was, it was very clear he was a big fan of the animated series. Yeah. Um, and obviously that was, uh, you know, quite a bit earlier in terms of you know the timelines as to the the comic specific stuff. But it was like okay, we're we're starting to get the stuff that we recognise. But I think now we're we're really entering that period proper for us at least. Um, your your mileage may vary depending on when you started reading comics. You may have a little bit left to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which probably means we have a good decade or so ahead of us in terms of stuff appealing to us specifically. You, you, you would hope so. so. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I mean, just look at also what Tynan did with Detective. We kept talking about how much that felt oh, like. God. Actually, I just realized something. Does that mean in 10 yeah. years' time, like, we're going to have people who grew up in the New 52 writing comics and they're going to be like, oh, yeah. there's reference back time, to the colors. I, I will be <laughs> firmly out. So we're, we're good. This is the, uh, yeah. I think, um, sure, I think this, this is uh, Morrison's theory from his uh, Super Gods book, the, the 22 mm-hmm. year cycle, where right. you've got 11, it, it, with, with a, a midpoint of 11 years of. You go through things being like, oh, you know, poppy and cheery and you know, funny, and then on the other end of the scale is like the grim, dark side. Mm-hmm. And depending on like, you know, it, it's literally all down to the creators and when they grew up and reflecting what they liked. And it literally goes just up and down. You can trace it back for about seventy years, just like that. Well, well it's uh, also Tynan's own, you know, that thing that you brought up from his newsletter. Yeah. You know, it's along the same lines now that this is kind of their postmodern, you know, what they grew up on, and now they're building on that. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm so here for this. Uh, Connor Hawk back in the DCU. Come on now. 
Yeah, I'll be honest though. I, I you know, obviously, I, you know, I read Action and Detective on Tuesday when they came out because I was like, "Hey, I'm probably read some books," and those were the two most exciting ones. That's weirdly early for you. Yeah. Um. So obviously, I always skim before, but yesterday, someone asked me. I think it was David on on stream. Someone he said, "Uh, uh so how about that green bird?" And I was like, "What the hell are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. I couldn't remember. I didn't remember the ending at all at the back. Of it. Oh man, I couldn't remember. It. Probably I, the most I, terrible thing this week." I couldn't have told you in a million years how that backup ended until I looked at it again today. And I went, oh yeah, Connor Hawkshaw. <laughs> he doesn't this care guy. as much as me and Matt, clearly. No. I, I, no I'll be honest. Like, I, I have nothing against Connor Hawk, but I don't have that much of uh, experience with him, really, compared to other characters. So, so you know that means you know who his mom is, right? Uh, off the top of my head, no. No? I'm sure it won't surprise uh, me when you tell me. I'm sure I'll be oh yeah, I have I, I heard that. I just wanted you to yell Shadow. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Pete. I'm sorry. Look, down. look, I can't have an encyclopedia in my head at all times, alright? Occasionally something Matt has does. to slip. Yeah, well yeah, but Matt doesn't uh Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wow, what, what? Sha- Shadow's still Emmy's mom, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're either Changing some continuity here, which, I mean, given that we've not seen Connor Hawk in a while, would be easy to do. Oh, what if Shadow shows up in the... Or not Shadow. uh, What if if Emmy shows up in the tournament? What if Emmy shows up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get brother v sister. But but that's the whole thing, right? If this is Ollie's son, but Emmy's his sister, what does that make? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh... Can't think about it too hard. No. Maybe yeah. maybe there was some maybe some light retconning, light ret, just some light retconning, just to make that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of I mean, uncle brothering. Does yeah, uncle brother. Um, does does it matter more to the each character who the mother is? Like, could they just you know, like Connor saying, they could just take Connor Hawk think, and make him. I think someone it would be else's. much easier with Connor Hawk because right. it's a lot less relevant. Right. Whereas but, with Emmy, but, because she was brought up still, you know, around right. that stuff, I think it matters. You know, it would be cool, although it would be too much of one thing. Like, what if it's, what if Connor Hawk's mom now is Lady Shiva, and so it's Cass and Connor Hawk are related? I suspect they'll I change one parent of Connor Hawk, so if they're going to change anything. Um, yeah. But they, they could change I, the father, though. It may not be. I but See, I can't, for, for what, bringing well, Connor Hawk and I can't see them changing Ollie, because... Just the contrast between him and Damien. They're too strong. Like, I, 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 feel think, like they... I think him being all of a sudden was probably the most defining thing about yeah. his, his oh, you know, his, his, the start of his character. Yeah. Yeah, I just... Yeah, I guess. It's just kind that, of that, weird. That would be like saying Damien's not actually Bruce's son, but, you know, but he is Talia's. Right. I mean, no, I, I get why, but I'm, I'm saying that in terms of continuity for the past decade, like, mm-hmm. Oliver having a kid just hasn't been a thing. Not really. Right. And I, and I feel we like they could if he doesn't that. know about, the, about him yet and kind yeah. of essentially redo that stuff. Even even worse, he doesn't care. Like, that's an Ollie thing. Yeah, Ollie being a dirtbag, you know? like I, w- I, I would love for us to have a proper Green Arrow series while this stuff's going on. So that he can mm-hmm. be trying to explain all this. To I would. I wouldn't be surprised if one launches. Like, I, see if we get yeah. like an announcement for July or August. It would not. Like, I'm all half expecting it at this point. Yeah, I mean, just, just 
you have the stuff with Arsenal, and you got this now, and just there's no main series. I just can't see this was playing it, out just everywhere else. The other day, Matt, that, hey, remember when Arsenal had one arm? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a thing. I, I had that thing because I, I started thinking about the Green Arrow because Green Arrow was a, before the New 52, that was an area that I was very heavily invested in with, mm. you know, Green Arrow, Black Canary, and then you had Arsenal's appearances and different things and that whole cry for justice that was terrible, but I still kind of like parts of it. Um, mm. But, you know, that's what cost him his arm and just all of that stuff. And then you had Cheshire popping up in there and and just, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was the JT Kroll stuff, which, again, might not hold up by modern standards, but in the moment. I do love the Cheshire and Arsenal relationship. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so just all this great stuff happening around Arrow, but he doesn't have a main book. It just it feels prime, like Pete saying. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, I would suspect. Um, I hope so. Unless there's just so much going on where the, the, all the stories are going to play out in the various books that the characters are in. But it does feel like it could use a central Green Arrow and Black Canary book. And call it that. It can, it can be a pair book. It doesn't have to just be Green Arrow and title. Um, not that it really fundamentally changed that. I'd argue that Black Canary was almost equally a co-star of the previous book anyway. But I think she's a big enough character at this point that calling it black or green arrow and black canary would be a nice move uh anyway that's that's the 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 backup uh matt what are you rating the backup i'm giving this an overly generous 8.5 oh connor i'm giving it an eight and i am knocking probably half a point off for that opening just feeling like oh i i guess we're just starting here now uh i yeah, about eight, maybe seven point five. It's it's weird to me because like I really like what they set up, and I think as a whole I like it. Um, but bizarrely, because it does just kind of because it is the second half of the story, the first half of it just being this conversation with Damien and Talia doesn't really feel like it's that. Because you know, like Talia being disappointed he didn't kill someone. Like we've done this dance like so much, but once you started talking about the League of Lazarus, start about the tournament and Damien's excitement for the tournament, about the like excitement is not the right word. The the, his need to go to the tournament. <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. fair. <laughs> it, it's like a, what's the right word? Like he has like a grim fascination with it. Yes. Like, wait, what like, is this thing? Just, you know, like there's like that two pages, which is annoyingly, it's the two pages that start this half, but that, that two pages of like, oh, you know, you're hesitating, you're not killing. And like I say, mm-hmm. we've done all that before. Do you think it's particularly grating because it is the start? Here, if that was just in the middle of it, of if if you pasted these together as one full issue, and that was just in the middle, do you think it would have bothered you as much, or do you think it, it, it has more weighting because of the the presentation? Yeah, just it, it definitely. Yeah, no, it, it definitely bothers me just because it felt like a page turner, not a cliffhanger. Because if it was supposed to be a cliffhanger, then I wanted to see more of the resolution. Like, actually, not that I want to see her like murder the dude, but just turning the page right and she has blood on her hands while holding the knife i don't know i kind of just wanted a resolution that it wasn't there you know if that's a page turn it, it lands a little bit better i think than as a full-on cliffhanger so that's all yeah yeah slight, slight format and thing but by splitting up mm-hmm. it's, it was splitting a story that was clearly meant for just an issue into two halves i actually think introducing potential new series that they want people to try this way is a really good idea 
uh, they just have to re- write the, the two parts. If it's going to be, because it could just be one part, you could just do one 10 page backup to set up a new book. Uh, which I think this probably could have been, because the fight with the, the League could have been shorter, really. If they yeah. really, if they wanted to squeeze this issue into just like 10 pages, I, you know, these two parts into 10 pages, it's, I think it was possible. It's paced well enough that if, if this was just one issue, we wouldn't have been saying, oh, we spent too much time on that yeah. fight. Right. But it feels right. very front-loaded because of that yeah. now, where it's because we're reading this like you know two weeks apart. So, yeah. So I'll go with the seven point five. I think of overall. Yeah. Uh, so uh, book as a whole, Matt. Detective Comics. What are you giving it? Uh, an eight. Connor. Yeah, eight from me. Guess I'm going eight too, since it literally averages out to that. So mm-hmm. there you go. Detective Comics, one thousand thirty-four. Action Comics 1029, Philip K. Johnson writing with Phil Hester on the art. Um, this is, of course, the second half of... It's funny how we just thought about this with the Robin story in the, the Bat books, which is the backup, but here we have one story split over two, although this was obviously always written as two issues, uh, right. which is you know, the portal's open, Superman and John are, are fighting these things off, uh, and this boils down to John telling Clark, like, you're not okay, you're clearly hurt, uh, you can't do this, and Superman saying, no, I can't. It's not as bad as it looks. Uh, but ultimately, when they save the day, and it's John who actually saves the day, which is kind of the, the key dramatic point of the issue, is that this is John stepping out of his father's shadow, and, you know, th- that idea of, like, there's a point in, for the kid's life where you're the hero, you're impenetrable, you can do no wrong. But it's not just that eventually they see you as human, it's that then you realize that your kid steps out in front of you and actually does something that uh, if not something that you can't do or advances in a way that you couldn't have uh, realize that, okay they're not just like something I'm protecting anymore they are making their own world they're doing their own things mm-hmm. uh, and they're maybe going above and beyond um, and you know Clark phrases it at one point saying I'm not sure how much longer I might you know I'm going to be uh, not relevant it was uh, useful I think was the word to use but something mm-hmm. to that effect um, so uh, basically just to the issue uh overall obviously some important details uh superman does hear that amanda waller's running this and is aware that star labs their space station did cause this as their fault so that's a plot thread and there's obviously an epilogue cliffhanger which we'll get to separately because it's kind of on its own uh but yeah and you know uh, clark apologizes for basically not not accepting there's a chance that he could have died uh and tells a story about pa kent and the day that this yeah. effectively happened with him because he fell off a ladder, which is obviously a much simpler version of we were fighting aliens coming through a portal together. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of also that sentiment when you realize that adults don't know what they're doing. Yes. Like, you know, as a kid, you think they have all the answers. And then the, the moment that you see how flawed they are because they are humans, right? Yeah. I saw a tweet and... today that was like, uh, 90% of adulthood is... Uh, going, oh, for F's sake, every time the phone rings. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's really true. Yeah, 100%. Why, why, why are you calling me? It's going to be a text, right? Like, it's, never, it's, never, it's never good. It's like, oh, yeah. more work. It's like, no, no, go yeah. away. Right. So so I did like that with Pocket because it's not just on the, you know, he's Superman, he could have caught him, right? But it was Pocket being embarrassed that he's being seen as vulnerable to his son. Because yeah. You know, in a meta sense, every parent wants to appear as Superman or Superwoman to their kid. Mm-hmm. And the day that you can't anymore, you know, a little piece of you kind of goes away. And 
it's all, you know, that whole sentiment played out through these last two issues, you know, with John taking the, takes the lead with that singularity gun. Yeah, well, that's, and, the, that's the flip of this here, is that yeah. the, the moment where you feel a little sad that you're not, like, a Superman mm-hmm. to your kid anymore right. is also, it, it oddly lines up, more or less, usually, where your kid will then do something where you realize, oh, they actually don't need me to be the Superman anymore. They are doing mm-hmm. things on their own. Uh, but yeah, the, right. the big thing John does in this issue is that they can close the portal with this singularity gun, this big cannon thing they've got from the space station, but it, could, it has to be fired from inside the other end of the portal. From the other side, yeah. yeah. So John, so probably the best part of the art in the issue, I think, is John firing this and then sort of speeding back to fly through the portal before the beam hits the portal so he gets back home. It's it's a very Superman moment. Yeah. Right? Like, we've seen Clark right. do this how many times? Something similar, you know? And yeah, so John gets to to break out of his own golden age here um but yeah it was it's very well handled i i again i love everything that johnson's doing with the characterizations because like this is just you know monsters coming from a portal right amanda waller's trying to test superman or whatever but what makes it special is just that sentiment throughout the whole time of John being terrified that this is the final battle, because this is it. He makes it clear that it's a little bit unclear in the future what the exact cause was. This is the last major sighting of Superman, and and there's not even that. I mean, maybe it still is. You know, maybe he. You know, the the iron could have been. Maybe he didn't die here, but maybe this is where he retired. I think the reality is we know he's going to go and do some of that uh, war world stuff, right? Because that's where we're going next. But it's also what I like that too is that it tells well the future could be wrong, right? How many times does things change in the DCU that yeah. something changes in the present that now changes the future? You know. But I do like that Clark never brings that up, though he listens to John to his concerns, you know, because he's Superman. Well, I, I like that he doesn't at first though, because at first he's just right. like, No, it's fine, I'm Superman, I got this, and, and let's go right. out there and do it. And it's not until after that that you know that it's over that it was like I might have been wrong on that one. That that right. could have been it. Right. Yeah. Um and the, and the apology he gives is kind of for not listening to him, for not accepting that maybe he's right, maybe he has to accept that he can't do this. Uh you know, it's just again, more very human facets to add to Superman. Um mm-hmm. Uh, so once again to anyone who ever says Superman's hard to write because he's not relatable I say you're just not a good writer uh, yeah. so yeah the big cliffhanger though is that they're being watched mm-hmm. they're being watched and there's a d- discussion about oh you know there's, there's the sun he's getting powerful but then there's another you know ominous voice saying but no nah, he's not the, the real threat you know we're here for Superman Um. And I mean, it's not a huge leap to see where this 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 little reveal's going. That you know, this is this is the War World stuff coming into it. Um, but uh, I do I I don't know the name of this character if it's like a character who's like commonly showing up. But this it's like a little baby in like a tank as the head. I've, that, I've never seen like, it before. I think it might be a new thing. I saw yeah. talking to man say it, it felt yeah. like uh Phil Hester was uh, really channeling uh, Mike Mignola, yeah. and I have mm. to say, it definitely feels that. Mm-hmm. I could see it. I could see it. Uh, so, no. Um, I'm excited to see where the story. I, I am curious. So, this is 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 the War World stuff continuing in action or Superman? Uh, I can't remember which one it's in. It's definitely in one of them. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm just curious. Good, good job, no. Connor. Yeah. <laughs> what, I mean, only, what I meant by that is it's only in one of them. It's, uh, you know, because they are splitting into their own paths yes. after this two-part story here. Yes, which is, which, is, which is why I was asking the question, which one is, is it going to be? Uh, I'll find But, yes, so... Um, it's a fine cliffhanger. I'm, I'm excited to see kind of... Okay, what is an arc from from Johnson going to look like now? Because we've had, we've had, you know, the great two-parter that we we gave, we were showering with nine point fives and tens during Future State. Uh, we've had the the future stuff with the House of L, which was very different. Obviously, Taste Fairy done that, but it was again very kind of like just a, a snapshot of one thing. And then here it was, you know, it was a two-parter. But again, even though this is a bit more relevant to what the run's going to be, it was still very kind of, you know contained in its messaging. Uh, you it's see it's a it's nice like prologue. Yeah, I want to see what an ongoing arc is now from, from yeah. Johnson. Um, I'm excited to see that. World World Rising will be in action. Okay, so... Okay. Thank you, Connor. Curious to see uh, sort of how, how that plot develops and how, how much it gets into some of the future state stuff and how, how if it changes it, if any, and where it, what it does with it. Uh, which makes me wonder, does that mean that is John going to be more of an action comics character because that's dealing with that stuff, uh, mm-hmm. or is he actually going to be in Superman because the, the War World stuff then is going to shift away from him and going to be uh, all that about? Was, that's my assumption. Is um, I would not be surprised if within a couple of arcs, John is Superman of Earth, like we saw in Future State, and he's mm-hmm. doing that in the Superman book mm. and action comics will be following Clark doing the War World stuff. That would be mm. my assumption. That'd be a good reason to have him writing both books, is if he, if he's mm-hmm. doing a story where Clark is separated from everyone else and he has to do both the sort of the inspiration of Superman and how he's replaced by John while he's gone, but also the fight that Clark has to get back to Earth and two people. It's and... it's two very different stories. Ultimately, it's here's the, I mean, it's weird that the John Kent stuff will be almost the traditional Superman stuff. Just yeah, here's Superman in Metropolis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even though it'll have a little spin on it being john but then that's you know that's your normal superman story then your action stuff will be this war world stuff with uh with clark and i mean who knows how far down that line we'll get but that will probably be very different i mean i, I assume so anyway mm-hmm. yeah uh assuming this is what actually happens and we're not just jumping to conclusions based on the future state stuff which is entirely possible um yeah so that was good. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it's probably really about equal to the first half. Uh, I mean, I liked it a little bit more this half just because it, it, it kind of it was a little bit less focused on the the part I wasn't as as in love with. But oh, were you not in love with? Ah, uh, just uh, this scene is meant to be your final death and whatever, and it's like we, we know. It's oh, okay. I just, Sorry, I, well, yeah, I, I wasn't here last time, so yeah. I didn't know what you'd say. Oh, right, well, it, <laughs> it, it was basically just not that there's any reason to say that they can't do this stuff. It's just that I feel like we've been messing around with continuity and we've literally just looked into a future. So to immediately say, oh, from the future, I know this is your ending. Uh, it just felt like it was just, it was just bad timing. I, I was like, I'm just, I, just... I, I think I like the twist of it because it, um, it, always, it plays for me because it is the ending of of Clark as Superman, you know, which is the point. As it, I think I don't know how clear it made this in the last issue, but it definitely makes it clear here that it, the, the records never say he died in this battle. Just that not long after he wasn't Superman anymore. Well, it doesn't matter. What, what, it doesn't matter what it is. Though. It doesn't matter if he died or he stopped right. being Superman. The point. The point is more just that we're using the future to do things. Uh, like we've we've just been doing that, and we're, I know. But I think that's that's 
kind of what I'm getting at is this is a continuation, like because this is leading into the future state stuff in the same way that Batman and Detective are dealing with all the magistrate and Nakano stuff. It, it it feels very much like no, this is still part of that future state timeline, uh, and it it doesn't feel like oh, we're introducing something else here to me. No, no, but uh, again, you're kind of veering into a tangent to what my my real complaint was, which is well, this is all irrelevant because this is about the first part of the the story. But the the point was that again we're doing stuff where John has this information from the vast future, right? Way into yeah. you know year three thousand plus, and you know obviously everything in the future it can always change because we're never going to just get there because sure. it's comics and it never mm-hmm. can be, and you just kind of have to accept that. Uh, but, yeah. Okay. But we literally we're just doing future state with all these different things. So it's not so like the stuff in Detective, the, the stuff of them like oh we're doing the canal stuff and we're doing stuff with the magistrate setting up. None of that bothers me. That's just continuing threads that were set up. Um, it was just returning to the the mechanic of oh I know things from the future, but like again it's just Fair a enough. timing thing. It was just you know, no, no, I'm with you now. Played that hand too many times recently. Um, um, I do actually think this issue is slightly better because i think it lands the emotion a touch more even though you know i think the first issue was very good still this has the the point at the end of it right this yeah. has the actual impact I, of sure. going forward the message i will say i'm not so sure these two issues have to be two issues because a lot of the action fighting aliens mm. it looks mm. fine but i don't know if there's much of a a difference in the flow of it a fight to fight between the two issues where i felt like we need to have all of them i i do so normally i would agree right but I do feel like that the fact he's doing action and Superman, mm. this is a nice lead in to, to picking up both, you know. I'm actually um, going to defend it in a very specific structural reason for this story as to why I like it. Mm. Um, structurally, you know, the flow, you know, I, I get where you come from. They're not that different. I think the key difference is in the first issue, it's Clark doing, you know, taking the lead and going all in. And in this issue, it's John's issue. He's the one that's, you know, making all the big plays. You know, he's the one leading the action. And I think that's actually very relevant for the story in, in showing that that contrast and, and how it kind changes. Of, conceptually, I think that's a fine idea, but I think the art should be more different. I think the fights all feel kind of samey to me. And I wasn't... Like, those two-page spreads where they're fighting and they've got the... This is after... I mean, this is after the conversation, admittedly, which is where I think the issue gets interesting because i think the first few pages it feels like it's just re- uh kind of recapping almost what the first issue was about um but once we get to the fights and we have the uh you know it's a lot of angled lines and it's superman like punching and and john punching these green aliens i don't know like ultimately there's not really much of a sequential story told in the fights it's just kind of lots of random moments of the fights happening of punching or being hit by laser blasts or them firing back probably I would probably give you that in the first page of this major fight. Um, but I think that second page uh, where it shifts and, you know, John's jumping in the way and saving Clark, I think that is massive sequential storytelling in the in the art here, in, uh, especially in the context of, you know, what this issue is about. That one beat us. John, John jumping in and saving us, but the, the page before that, with, with it's just, you know, it just it kind of feels like a lot of... I guess I'm saying I don't think the layout feels like I'm f- like when I'm reading a really good fight in a comic, right? And I'm 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 flowing. You know, what's a recent example? Uh, like the uh, the Suicide Squad Future State books, for, right? For example, right? That story. The Suicide Squad Outsiders. That's the one. Yeah, the Outsiders yeah. one. The Outsiders yeah. with Katana and all that, right? 
Um, sure. Right? When I'm reading a really good fight scene, right, in a comic, like, it'll lead my eye and I'll feel like I'm getting all the, the beats of the motion and the action and I'll understand beat to beat the progression of the fight. And it feels exciting because I'm going through the fight. It feels like, you know, for every use of the word, but it feels like a really good storyboarded kind of sequence that flows. Mm. Um, and in some fights like this, the art is is perfectly solid. Like, there's nothing wrong with the line work or anything like that. I just don't necessarily think that the actual punching back and forth of these green monsters, it has much going for it to progress throughout the page um, until eventually, I, you know, it, it ultimately it's just he gets blasted in the next page and then John I, has to come I, in. I, I kind of get where you're coming from because I've definitely felt that with, yeah. with stories in the past. I don't think I agree with it here, or at least I don't feel that. Um, I mean, I can't say I don't like, agree that you feel it. Yeah, because the page, so the page after John comes in and takes the blast for, for Superman, the page after that, uh, where John seems to be punching one of the green things and then he's flying away from my mouth in the middle. Uh, John, uh, Superman's down at the bottom, throwing a punch. There's nothing about that page that has any sort of sequencing to me. But it also doesn't necessarily highlight one moment as a special moment as like a full page spread. It just feels like a mess. Not I always use the I, word mess. That's a bit harsh. But it feels like a, just a, a, like a barrage of action. I, I think this is where I, I, I don't feel it because I can... I can see these exact panels or this this layout, like that page you're talking about. I can see that split up into traditional panels where it's, you know, okay, this is in a box. And having this sense of separation that I think you're kind of talking about here that gives it that sequential feeling. For me, like uh, on that page there, the the creature that's, uh, that he's like flying away from in the, I'm going to say the second panel, the top line of that, you know, its body functions as a panel cut off so you have john at the top punching that's one panel and then the panel below is is that there and it, its body at the bottom actually separates into uh clark I, I can see the three panels very distinctly and actually i really appreciate how it uses the art in this separation for me and it leads my eyes for me quite naturally uh, without just sticking them in boxes so for me I, I actually prefer this over a lot of kind of what you're describing I'm not really just talking about separation, though. I'm not saying it has to be in boxes. No, no, no but I, I can feel that. I see you know, the, the hit there, and then it moves down, and then there's the, the next beat. I, I, I feel that here with this flow, personally. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't feel any sequencing here to this page. I just feel those three individual things, and I can see them, but I'm not getting much of a feeling out of them. Um, So... Yeah, I don't even know what the start of this whole debate was. But the point being is... Just on the sequential art. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like a lot of the fighting felt very similar to me in this sense. So I could have just done with much less of it, so it could just be more to the point. I feel like a lot of it was, you know, punching sake for punch. Like I think the key beat in this whole fight is that Superman takes a hit at one point, John comes in and takes the hit for him, and then he takes over, right? That's the key beat they have to tell. Uh... But there's definitely a lot of it I think could be trimmed down uh, and potentially get both issues into one. I get where you're coming from. I think, as I think, first I like the pacing. Either in in this fight, you know, the start of it, you see John watching Clark struggle and understanding that you know he needs to do something. That's when he jumps in, and you get the next page, and then he takes over for the third page. I really like the flow of it personally. I, I think the fighting is the worst part of the two issues. I guess is what I'm saying, and because it takes up so much of the two issues. Uh, that's why yeah, I wasn't like I, I think I think they're solid enough, but it's why I wasn't just praising like when we did the first you know issue of Superman a couple of weeks ago, 
uh, I wasn't ready because I was expecting to come in here and be like, oh, it's at least a nine. There's, you know, it's this glorious thing based on the previous issues that he did. Uh, Johnson, that is. And I came into kind of like, ah, oh, you know, it's good, but let's not, you know, I'm not feeling wowed by it yet. And I'm still confident that I will as it, as it gets going. But, um, yes, yeah. Sir. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, I, Contraval's opinion, I, I, I like it all. So, you know, <laughs> I find very little to complain about with this issue yeah, until the backup. So, but, oh, I didn't we'll get the there. Backup. I didn't read the backup either. either. Well, I guess we're just writing the book though, then, because we're just writing for the main story. All right, Matt, what are you, you given? I'm going to give us an 8.5. Connor? I'm going to give it a 9. I love it. Nine. I yeah. am going to stick with what I gave the first one. Oh, I do think this one's a little bit better because I think the moment of John actually using the beam and flying back was all really good. Uh, but I'm going to stick with a 7.5 on this. Uh, yeah. but like I say I just the fighting just didn't have much of a flow for me so I wasn't really and because that's so much of the book and both chapters uh, so just uh, just before we move on mm-hmm. Matt were you just pulling that face then because you're watching the hockey I, I have to shut it off so because <laughs> I saw the score pop up and, and then I looked yeah. up and you were pulling face and I was like uh-huh. oh god oh yeah. are Matt's uh, Matt, Matt team losing that was happening yeah, yeah I and, and I just missed a fight, so because I shut it off, because I got mad. Who's fighting? Uh, Colasar. I guess there was a bad hit the other game. Um, Don't ask yeah. for more information. Yeah, we're moving on. Okay. He's Reeves. He's Reeves Jr. When Reeves can't play no more, Colasar is gonna drop gloves for guys. Uh, hey, but Pete, the new Mighty Ducks show uh, dropped yesterday. I I saw I saw it drop. I haven't watched any of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna wait. Uh, just because I don't feel like I need it weekly, you know. Like I can just watch it when it's all done. If I hear it's good, I'll maybe check it out. I'm, I'm not I'm like yeah. I don't know. We're in an age of everything being rebooted. Disney Plus have got an absolute barrage of just yeah, but everything I, has I to have a sequel fighting. or a prequel show or a reboot show. But I'll defend the Ducks one, and not just because it's hockey, but just because <laughs> of the story that it's telling. With the Ducks started as these scrappy underdogs, no one wanted. And then they become the franchise that is now cutting kids that people. That that would you know, be great if Cobra you know? Kai hasn't been doing that for the last like four yeah, years. Yeah, Cobra Kai already did that. <laughs> sure, I haven't watched Cobra Kai, so. Not have I, you know, but like it's the exact I'll, I'll same take, story, right? Uh, yeah, but does uh, does does Cobra Kai have the Minnesota Miracle mm-hmm. Man, Gordon Bombay? No. Doesn't have Joshua no, Jackson God. either, which neither of the shows have. For some that's stupid fine. reason. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's well, let's move on, shall we? Teen Titans Academy issue one. This is Tim Sheridan writing with Rafa Sandoval on the art. Uh, and you know we've joked about this being very X Meny. I I actually almost let out a laugh when I saw their hallways leading to like, the danger room, and I was like, wait, this is this is literally the X Men oh, like, underneath the mansion. And and the <laughs> f- fact that they're fighting hard light. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm just gonna be out in the open. Uh, I did not like this that much, and I'm very disappointed. Um, it, nothing in here like it's got a great premise. Don't get me wrong. It's it's the Titans training the new people, the new kids. It just it feels almost like an Elseworlds at times, and it's very awkward in the stories that it wants to tell. 
Um, so, so yeah. Pete, how how'd you feel? I like it more positive than you, because that was okay. a very negative uh, gist. It, it, it was, and um, I don't want to be that negative, but, like, it was just... I stuff think, just feels off. I think I'm at a point where I... I like just about everything it's trying to do, mm-hmm. I think. Um... You know, I actually think the first page is very good. So I don't know if it's saying much, but like, just this, this, just the. But it's, it's sort of teasing this kind of like the awe of like getting to Titans Tower. It's just you know, yeah. we see the silhouettes of the, the original New Teen Titans uh, in the in the distance, kind of. And, uh, uh, but Dick I, I, is practicing his speech. I like, yeah, I like yeah. some of the banner between the original members. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the dialogue is a bit hit or miss elsewhere with the new characters, but I do actually kind of appreciate that it's trying to introduce a whole batch of new characters because X Men has done this a bunch of times over the years where. You know, from the ones I've read, like you know, uh, Aaron's Wolverine, and the X Men, or, or even, uh, Uncanny X Men when Bendis was doing both books and stuff mm-hmm. like that, where they'll have like a batch of new characters and they'll be introducing them. Um, it's it's kind of trying to do that. What's weird about that conceptually is that the whole idea of the Teen Titans originally was it was all these sidekicks for the most part, the sidekicks who were teaming up, kind of like the Justice League, where all these main characters who were teaming up. So it's kind mm-hmm. of funny that we're at a point where we're just creating a bunch of characters to be Titans when uh that wasn't originally the the thing right so um right. not to say that you can but it is very different conceptually it does make it feel more x-men-y uh by default but mm-hmm. i i like them try to be teachers i did think some of the humor was a bit forced like the idea that like like uh correct and mm-hmm. like starfire correct or something sorry it's mr nightwing i'm like would they really make the kids call him mr nightwing <laughs> no <laughs> so silly to me and then there's the the Harry Potter line, which I appreciated. It just, it did not land the no, way I, I think Sheridan wanted I, it to. I agree with that. It kind of it sounds like someone is complaining that he can't talk about Harry Potter, and I don't think that's the point yeah. he's trying to make. No, so like I I do appreciate it again because uh, I feel very similar to how the you know the students are feel about that, but it just it didn't land. It's the sad um, part is, is this part of this exchange. So, so Nightwing's talking to his, his small class, and he says, mm-hmm. he, he sort of says something. About the, he says something about the defense of the dark arts. We sort of yeah, we, 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 we don't hear class. the start of it. We just hear the the end of the sentence. And then he says, yeah. "Oh, I guess you're too young for that reference." And they respond, "No, we get the reference. It's just you know, it's problematic to talk about now." So the, the joke be is Nightwing thinks he's having "I'm too old for these kids" moment. Um, yeah. which to be honest the fact that there's a character saying that oh wait I guess you're too young for that when he's talking about Harry Potter made me feel old so that's a thing um, yeah but it also feels disingenuous I think a little bit too whereas I, I wish they had were like I, I just feel the way that the joke went should have been like yeah yeah we find it problematic but we're aware of it you know versus them going like oh yeah we're, we're not going to talk about it period like you're right where it was like oh yeah it was almost like shared to me like oh I can't make a Harry Potter joke and I was just like, that's not where the humor comes from. You know, the humor comes from the I'm too old for this reference, where really he shouldn't be. I mean, because how much older do you think Dick is than these kids at this point? You know? That's hard Dick's to say at this point. Gotta be at least mid-twenties at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, mid early thirties at the oldest. Oh, the Depends oldest. where Bruce is these days. But anyway, See, just- I, I actually think that the the joke like I think there's something in the joke that kind of works. I just I just don't think the way it's written no. clicks. 
Because I act, there's something I kind of like about the joke here, which is he thinks he's made a reference that these young kids won't get because of their age. But right. the joke is actually, no, it's just the kids are really woke now. And that's actually, there's nothing wrong with that oh. joke. There's just something about it that comes off a little bit weird. And I, I don't... I, I Part of it is I hate this whole... Because I don't know how old Tim Sheridan is, but this whole fake social media narrative and, you know, millennials are supposed to be feuding with the generation under them, whatever it's called. And it's like, well, I I know plenty of people in that. And I don't feel like, And I feel like that's what this was going for, right? And I just, I don't know. Again, it felt disingenuous to me. And I could have been funny. You know, there is a way to do it. I don't... This is just not it. I don't think that is what it's going for. I, th- I think... To me, I mean, pointing out differences in the generation is not necessarily trying to tie into what a weird social media thing where the generations are apparently feuding or whatever. No, but so, I, I feel like them going, it's problematic, and it's, so it's Nightwing going, like, oh, you know, or there's commentary on, like, oh, like you said, these kids are so woke. You know what I mean? Like, I just, again, there's a way to do it. This just wasn't it. And I no, feel but that what you, no, but what, what this, you just said there, though, implied that you can never point out these generational differences without it, no, you, fe- without it feeling like to you that they're, they're tying it into No, but no, you whatever. can just... There's a skill to it, because I see it too often where, like, you're supposed to buy in that the generation below us are a bunch of morons, but look at Connor. Connor's technically the generation before us, and we don't hate him simply because he's know. younger. He's still a millennial. I'm still a millennial. So, no, so, okay... And this is where stuff goes, because I've heard within 10 years below, that's where that starts. That's that all. next generation that people are having issues no, with. No, there are and the exact ones... splits. No. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, then, whatever it is, again, I think, I think my it's up ultimate to like point... 96 or 97, you're a millennial. Really? That's a pretty wide... Yeah, it, I think um, the, the cutoff uh, that, that, you oh. know, because... Because they're they're defined retroactively, right? Right. Um, so the cutoff for millennial is um, if you obviously there's the starting point, which is wherever. Mm-hmm. The end point is um, if you are old enough to have memories of nine eleven at the time, uh, you're a millennial. If not, you're the next one. Zoomer. Oh, so Zoomer yeah. is the one after that. Yeah. I think it's Zoomer. Well, so whatever one it is, right? Like, look, I my sentiment with this, how the joke doesn't land, is my main issue with this book is like there's stuff that's almost there it's just not executed in a way that I actually that that one almost works for me it's just a little bit off there's actually a line later on that I felt it felt more forced to me and again I like the sentiment that I think he was trying to go for yeah. uh, it's when the two kids are sitting at lunch and what, so one of the characters which I actually thought was quite funny there's a character who's effectively a doll uh, mm-hmm. But is alive, <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure that, I'm sure that's something the the, the book will explain more as it Touch goes on. on. Right. Uh, but there's a joke where basically uh, this other kid's asking, "Okay, so so what are you exactly? Are you some kind of animated androgynous ragdoll?" And they respond with, "I repair, I, re- I prefer non-binary effigy," which I thought that was funny. See if you stop there. I actually thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um. But then he says, though I prefer gender queer quilted American. Mm. Oh, just kidding. I'm not American. Um, it, it went a little bit too far and I went, okay, I don't think that was that funny anymore. <laughs> but, uh, and again, I, I think it's well-intentioned. I don't think there's anything... Uh, right. Um, I, I feel like 
I feel like it's it's coming off as like someone who's old, like almost trying to make fun of how people talk now. But I don't think that's the intention. I think the intention is to try and have it be more inclusive and have it reference like current day things. It's just the it's coming off weird. I don't know. Right, I'm looking up to see how old Tim Sheridan is. See if I he's in our it. our age bracket. I, I couldn't find an age. I mean, you can get pictures and guess, but I mean, I'm not very good at that. Yeah, yeah no. But um, he's not like he's not like massively older than than. No, because I do feel like that. I said this at the beginning. Felt like an Elseworlds book where it almost feels like this is a continuation of the Cartoon Network uh, Teen Titans show. I just I get that vibe. That would make um, sense, like, especially with Red X. Right. You have the Red X, you have the main, you know, the, the new Teen Titans era main lineup, right? Um, and just their dynamics. You have the, the Starfire, Dick Grayson, and the, you know, Beast Boy and Cyborg being like best buddies. My, it makes and going. constantly My, ragging make, on each it's other. Going. <laughs> it takes so long to respond. I, I, so... Yeah. I, <laughs> the tone gets worse the longer it takes. <laughs> anyway, it does. Uh, but yeah, Beast Boy, Cyborg, Best Buddies, you know, and there's all of that stuff. And all that stuff, I feel that part works, but it's just trying to juggle all these different threads because every time you spend time with the teachers, you also have to spend time with the students, and the students aren't that well developed yet because a lot of them are brand new, you know, so you get a lot of awkward moments that, you know, for me, just didn't work and there's almost too much going on at points you know um, i actually no, i'll give it some credit i never felt there was too much i felt like, like it, i felt like it did a decent job balancing the fact that it's got the new teen titans teachers it's got mm-hmm. kind of the, the the present day teen titans who i mostly don't know to be honest uh out mm-hmm. in the field and it's got these kids these students um it, it did a decent enough job where i never felt overwhelmed oh. by that and it had a through line the through line being someone asked about red x and then mm-hmm. there was a, a red x mask left at dick's birthday party which right. is something that happens in the book and then you know there's, there's like okay who left the mask and people they speculate that someone left it as a joke but it's kind of weird because it's actually it's this it's not even just like a someone made a mask it's literally mm-hmm. the mask he wore uh when he was running from Deathstroke hint- many, many moons ago right and they hint that two two other people picked up the mask after him yes you know so there's all that stuff there that 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 stuff all works for me. It's just again, it's a I'm gonna give it another issue or two before I decide. What's interesting, I'll, I'll get back to that comment in a second. Yeah. What's interesting is the general consensus I saw mm-hmm. on Twitter and various places was that it, it wasn't bad. But the thing that I saw come up repeatedly with it was that it was quite rushed. And it feels like Matt mm-hmm. definitely kinda hits on that, but Pete, maybe not so much. Um, it may be a little over stuff, but I didn't get too rushed because there's the simple things that it kind of sets up. Like it sets up the uh, Tubi, who's uh, which is short for totally tubular, who can turn into a tube, has to roommate with Roundhouse, I believe his name is. Um, right. and they kind of have like a rivalry, and they kind of both make fun of each other's powers. Um, and they kind of have a bit of a stare off, and it's just a one page thing, but it kind of just sets up enough that. They can do a gag in the second issue that'll be like half a page, but because they've set up that they've got this rivalry going, it's kind of a through line that can be there now. Um, I didn't hate it though, because I, I, I saw a lot of lukewarm opinions before I read this, because I read this today, and mm-hmm. maybe it's just lowered expectations, but I kind of came out of it going, you know what, I'm not in love with it, 
by any means. Like, I, I, I do think it's not reaching, like, sort of, like, great peaks or anything. But it didn't feel like a short read to me. Um, some of the new characters seem like they could be entertaining in time. Uh, which, which ones in particular? Uh, so, you know, there's the... I think Total Tubular seems fine. The Gorilla uh, seemed like fun. Um, Gorilla Greg. Gorilla Greg. <laughs> I gotta give him credit just based off the name. Yeah, I uh, thought that they, they were fine. Um, just the ones that feel like they have a bit of personality. You know, the one girl who was kind of like being made fun of because she, like, it sounds like she may already have a crush on Dick. Like, you know, you're hot for teacher kind of thing. It's just there was enough little things like that just to give them some personality. And honestly, the one that I probably liked the least was the one they did the most with towards the end, which is the guy who was, like, melting down the danger well, room with his powers. The, the the one who they want you to believe is, is the Red X guy, who, who, who could poss- certainly the, won't be. The one who possibly could be Red X, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they want you to believe that. And I, yes. That's the Red Herring. In fact, I'm going to start calling him Red Herring. That's his name now. Although, they do mention Billy Batson's at this, this school. Yeah. Uh, with Miguel. Miguel's yes. there, too. So uh, they're the, roommates. So established... Which again, that's where it starts to feel to me overstuffed because it was like, oh, Shazam and Miguel and these new kids and the Teen Titans and then the the new Teen Titans and which I don't think that's Miguel overstuffed here. though. Are we talking yeah. about the uh, Dial H Miguel, Dial H, yeah. yeah, Bunker Miguel. I disagree that that makes Both. it feel overstuffed though because oh okay because uh, it's like one panel. It's it's, it's in a panel within the cafeteria. Right, it's but... just it's establishing. It's a cameo. I don't think they're going to factor into the bit that much. I, based off of Future State, I believe those two are going to have a lot to do going forward. Okay, that's, that's fair. I was kind of forget. Or else not, or else, or else why introduce them here in the first issue? I never even and that's what I talk about. There's a lot of balls in the air, and I feel like if we just focused on one or two instead of all six, it might be a... Um, I'll put it this way. Read. I'll put it this way. I think this was definitely better than the, the first... Or, or, oh. Did I read the second Future State issue? No, if I, I didn't. Neither did. Right, okay. It was better on the first Future State issue. Yeah, but that wasn't hard. That wasn't a good issue. But like, it wasn't. It wasn't a terrible issue, though. No, but there was, there was, yeah, but, there was positive yeah. things to say. I think this is more on the side of decent. I would mm. say this was a decent it's comic. Fi- I think it's fine. I wanted it to be better, though. Like I coming I off of the Future the point, State think, from that because you know you said, oh, I give it two or three, yeah. a couple more issues. The telling point will be when it comes to this Suicide Squad crossover in a couple of issues' time. <laughs> will you care enough to go and get an issue of Suicide Squad no. on top of that? I mean, I, I, already, I, mean, I forgot about that, that no too. Way. I already uh, did an issue of Suicide Squad, so I forgot about yeah. that too, admittedly. But I yeah, think Connor. Yeah, because that's the that's the reason I I didn't read this. Like I said when it was solicited, you you solicit a crossover with a book I'm not reading before I even read the first issue. I'm out. Hey, yeah, we've heard that reason a hundred million times. He's like I'm a just pirate sometimes. Who hasn't heard He's like a here. pirate sometimes. Look, this is getting caught up individually on YouTube. You know full well that someone might click on Justice Review and be like, "Hey, why is he not reading this?" Because <laughs> he's Conroe and he has CR twenty one. Uh, I am CR twenty one. I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I, I feel like um, this feels like a perfectly fine mid tier book to me from this first issue that does an okay job of juggling a f- decent amount of characters. They all feel like they're in different sections. And my, my hope would be, and what I think should happen, is that going forward, each issue would maybe hone in in just one or two groups rather than try to, like, dance around. But even here, like, 
the current working Teen Titans who are in the field barely get a couple of pages. They, they, they feel like they're just sort of mentioned to establish, okay, there is like a functioning team that are out there fighting things. Um, it feels like the new kids and the, you know, Dick's team are the ones that are going to get all the the real development. I, they're the ones that are going to get the real time. I really I really hope that's the, the case, because that's, that's really what I was looking forward to, is the, you know, the, uh, shit, what's his name? Uh, Roy Harper's School for Kids with Powers, you know? Yeah. But to be fair, I think this issue mostly does feel focused on those two groups. Uh, I guess I feel like he's, again, he's got a lot of balls in the air. And I feel like there's there's stuff that he wants to do. If it gets that far, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll be honest, but, Matt. I think you're being at least 50% harsher on this because of the mm-hmm. future state issues, not because of this issue on its own. But again, but we so we can praise the stuff that the other writers did with tying in right mm-hmm. some of the stuff that tamaki has done with detective or you know i i so i'm, I'm not I saying think... the future state stuff should be discounted right i'm not saying I, right. because clearly in, in matt's defense as well sheridan has said in interviews he considers them all part of one series like they are part of this book well, see, and, and so and not knowing that though it's still well, it goes which is concerning you know. don't get me wrong i'm not saying that's not yeah. concerning um i, I just guess... feel like i just feel like some of matt's actual critiques that he said about this issue feel like they don't really because fit this issue to me i went in well no i went in with an open mind and went this is not going to be like the future state and then it felt like the future state stuff and so i went damn it this is this is feeling disjointed and like i feel again there's a lot going on for something that doesn't for me doesn't need that much going on like they could have just had you know the teen titans teachers with the new students you couldn't intro the other teen titans later Right and go. Oh, they're upperclassmen, and they get to go out into the field. And one day we'll build to that, you know. And just that time that we took with all that, we could have been focusing on these new characters, you know. Because again, I'm invested in the Red X stuff. And again, I don't think it's red herring, you know. But yeah, it's I got summoned at the school, so I just I didn't going in with an open mind and putting away the future state stuff. It didn't, you know. It felt like future state. Whereas I can say the so far Superman and Batman on that end did not feel like those future state things. They felt well, like there's some ties, but, but it didn't have the same tone. I disagree, though. I don't think this did feel like mm-hmm. the future state issue, which is kind of like the key difference here. And I also think that, again, the, 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 the upper class Titans, the current working functioning team that are mm-hmm. out in the world... I don't feel like they take that much time away from these pages. And it's, it's, it feels more to me like it's just quickly establishing the hierarchy of what all the Titans are in this book. It feels like it's explaining everything. But the focus is very much on Dick's team and the kids, right? I always felt that they were the focus of this issue. And it never, it never veered from that, I don't think. Now, I'm not... It sounds like I'm coming off really defensive about this book because mm-hmm. I think Matt's been too harsh. I, I think Matt... Mm. I, I sorry, I, just, I, I didn't. I don't, I don't want to say wants to dislike it, but it feels like. I think what's really for like from an outside perspective here is is you say, "Oh, Matt's it's coming too harsh." Matt lines up with what I've seen as the more general consensus. I think you said as well. You know, your expectations and were lowered to, based on what you read right. beforehand. And, and so I think to if be anything, fair, he likes it more than most. Yeah, to, to be fair, I didn't know that's what the general was. I mean, I put out what my thoughts were when I read it yesterday, and. You know, and that's just how I felt. So that was all news to me that this seems to be the consensus because I tend not to line up with consensus because I have very odd tastes, you know? I, um, 
you know, so that that's again a shock to me. But if, if I'm not the only one, then I feel, you know, I feel vindicated a bit. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I I don't I don't get the the the. I don't think it's playing too many plates yet. Now, admittedly, because of those future state issues, I completely see why it may end up being that way. Um, I'm not necessarily reassured that I will still like this once it gets going into any like great arcs or once it actually starts doing all the plot beats that it wants to do. And I actually, what's funny, the one thing Matt says he likes the most, the Red X stuff, is probably the stuff I like the least. <laughs> but um, yeah. uh, I, I don't really care about the Red X stuff that much. In fact, the final page, well, which is where it cuts to whoever Red X says punching a, a mirror, was probably the worst page of the book for me. But Yeah, that, that wasn't good. That was, that was you know, handled clumsily, like a lot of stuff I felt in this book. Um, how, however, like... I like like uh uh geez Ralph Dibney I, I love a good mystery you know I kept wanting to say elastic man that wasn't his name he was elongated man and I couldn't get it out but but no I like a good mystery and I want to know also not to take anything else away this book needs way more starfire that's just me though like she's she's the principal headmistress to be fair look you know you, you could probably say that about every book DC publishes I don't know. The 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 deck and Starfire are flirting at the end, something fierce, and it, it feels out feels, of place right now. It feels Ugh. so wrong considering what we just read in Nightwing. It does. So yeah. that is the only part that I'll agree it felt Elseworld because nothing else about this felt Elseworld to me. That was one of the things Matt said. Well, just, when I say Elseworlds, like this uh, feels like to me the continuation of the Cartoon Network series. You know what I mean? Not like this is taking place. And then when you throw in the the current Titans. Don't mind the garbage, man. Yeah, I was going to um, say, what the hell is this noise in the background? It's because it's I have a window open because it got hot in here. Um, Wait, I don't think but, I've ever uh, heard this before, but all of a sudden, this well, garbage usually, day. Gar- no, garbage is late. Gar- okay. Garbage comes every every day since I've been at this house, just usually earlier, not when we're recording. Right, okay. These jerks were late today. Anyway, <laughs> um, I forgot what Mine I didn't show say. up yesterday. Mine usually come every Friday. They didn't show up. Thanks, Nappy. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I think we should rate this. Uh, <laughs> Matt's ready. Matt's done. I'll yeah, rate it then, Matt. You go first. All right, cool. I'm going to give it a, a five. It's it's right down the middle. Um, I don't think it's a great comic. I think there's potential here. I think some dialogue doesn't land. I think uh, Sheridan's trying too hard to be relevant in places or be witty in a way that maybe it's just not coming off correctly. Uh, but I, I actually disagree that there's too many things happening. I didn't feel it didn't feel like it was struggling to actually. Everything felt fairly well defined in terms of things. It gave me enough of an int- the start in the characters that it can build upon later. Now, do I actually trust it to do that? Not really. I, I kind of just feel like this is a fine issue for a, uh, what could as a mid tier book. I'd love it if it felt better than that, but you know, that's what it is. Uh, art is mostly fine. Sandoval, I think you know what to expect from Sandoval, typically. There's there was one part I wanted to bring up. That's what I was gonna say real quick though. Is there's the scene where where Corey's or Starfire is giving the opening speech, mm-hmm. and she leans over to say something. Just the way that the art is, it it's just a weird framing of her. It's on that one of those opening pages that I just it was, you know, Sandoval. I, I guess you could say is kind of a acquired taste, you know. This wasn't very indicative of Sandoval's art. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was the one foible. Other than that, the art's pretty solid. I didn't even mention that because the story got me all railed up. 
Yeah. Uh, so, it's funny, I came off sounding super positive on this, and I don't think I'm actually that positive. I think I am, it is a decent to... It, it's, it's Pete syndrome. He just wants me to be wrong, and he has to let no, me know I, how wrong just, he thinks I am. He does it with me all the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Carl's more wrong than you, Matt. Don't worry. Uh, well, duh. <laughs> goes without saying. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I read Matt's tweet yesterday, and then I read the book today, and I'm like, why does he feel so strongly about this? I don't feel this strongly. Now, admittedly, I don't feel strongly another way either, which I would like to, but I don't feel that strongly sounds, about it. Sounds like you do. Sounds like this is your book of the week. <laughs> no, it's it's like a Six point five. At least we can agree that we didn't read Red Hood past a certain point. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, of course. So, you know. uh, six... I, I love how all this arguing and the difference is only a five to a six point five. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, because I think rating things is kind of dumb, so therefore, you know, on my five point scale, that yeah. basically, I, I wasn't trying to argue this was a great. A five. I I wasn't trying to argue this was this was a great book. I was just arguing against just how negative Matt was sounding. Again. Matt's wrong, and I'm going to explain to everybody how why I think he's so wrong. Yeah, I'm trying to do the book justice to people who want a different opinion. That's all. That's all it is. Now, Connor, I like telling he's wrong as, as much as I possibly can. You told me I was wrong right, cool. for just explaining why I didn't read this book. <laughs> okay, cool. Next book. I did, Knight just scored, so... Yay. Yeah, they're down again, though. Fuck. Already? 2-1. <laughs> Good lord. What? Crying shame. Uh, <laughs> right. Batman Superman, issue 16. Gene Lun Yang writing with Ivan Reese on the art. Uh, this is the start of uh, the new run, of course. Um, kind, of, kind of ballsy, not, not either renumbering this or doing something, because it, mm-hmm. it does feel very fresh and different. It's a very different book, uh, which Carr didn't even try, because he's the worst. But... Um, Look. <laughs> This is just a case of taste where I've I've learned I don't like Yang's writing, and that's fine. It's not for me. However, I play a different thing. He's taking uh, chances with formatting, and I think you might have liked this one. Yeah, so to explain what the, the format of this is, uh, so this is all two-page layouts except the very final page, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe the first page that explains it, actually. But uh, it's essentially two film strips, right? So all the, all the art is in panels of film strips. Mm-hmm. And the top panel is a Superman story. The bottom panel, or the bottom row, I should say, is a Batman mm-hmm. story. And so it's all two-page layouts with these going side by side. And as the start of the book tells you, you can read just the Superman story first, go back and read the Batman one. You can do it the other way around. Or you can do what I did, because the thought of having to go back to the start and read the other one, again, is stupid to me. So I read them simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, as I, gonna... that's been my question to everyone who's read it. Uh, and thus far, that's how everyone I know has read yeah. it. So it's, it's Which, good. to be fair, there, I, is a, there is a moment towards the end where they finally yeah. kind of converge a little bit, so I think it yeah. works if you read it sequentially, because it has this moment of... So, I, I, I want to know... I do if, like this ahead, idea. I, yeah. I do like this idea, what you're describing, and I respect the uh, trying something different. Right. So yeah, and that's, that's been Yang. Even, like, in Terrifics, he had that choose-your-own. You know? So, it's like he has fun doing this but hmm. also want to know if if you did read this the either superman or batman first and then go back i want to know if it how it read any different after you listen to us go on about it yeah so um 
And I can imagine how it would read because there's so many versions of this that would just give you the mm-hmm. one first in a normal comic format, mm-hmm. give you the cliffhanger of you know the thing that happens and the reaction, mm-hmm. and go wait, why did they call her that, and then go back to the other one. Yeah. You know, I could totally see how it would work. But anyway, uh, they're both alternate universes. This is not main continuity DC by any means. Uh, as we were going, we were learning, and it became quite clear they were separate universes too. It, it, they couldn't yep. be the same one because in one of them, you know, Batman's still Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, in the other one, Martha's still alive. Only Jonathan, or sorry, only uh, Thomas Wayne got shot. Right. Um, and that Martha's got a love affair with Alfred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Bruce is not Batman. Bruce is just a idiot. He's person. Yeah, he's the public's uh, what they think of Bruce Wayne, right? Yes. The, the bumbling playboy, who you know, yeah. Um, and part part of because of this, Lois is flirting with him, so there's not a relationship with Superman mm-hmm. at least yet. Uh, so you got all that going. Uh, honestly, my my, my only real problem because I was actually really I, I remember Lois F B enjoyed this shit. I actually did. I thought this was a really enjoyable issue. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the only critique that I really had from a plot beat perspective, mm-hmm. where I thought it got a bit too silly with the differences, is in the uh, I guess it was in the Superman story where. Uh, Alfred venoms up like Bane towards the end. That was the one thing where I went, oh, I did like I like that. <laughs> I low-key kind of loved it. Oh, of course you did. I low-key kind of loved did. it. I... Because everything else, everything else they changed, everything, you know, Lex uh, tries to pretend to be a supervillain somewhat to someone else, but then the unmask is like... Oh. The unknown wizard. The unknown wizard, yes. I love it. Uh, but then, you know, like from there they're investigating and it's like oh wait there's something fishy going on with the wayne family fortune and how they're behind stuff and behind the tech and and whatever uh which leads them to go and check out the mansion which lead, you know uh because she's you know bruce wanted to ask her on a date anyway but they go snooping around the mansion and that's when alfred venoms up um and then on the batman side of things he's with a young dick racing who's robin and there's a. It turns out because I never got that the villain was meant to be Lois until the end when yeah he sees her. The, she's the silver spider, right? Yeah, like that's her her gimmick. Yeah, because um, obviously the the point in the the book as well because and it's really nicely timed. So that, so the moment where you realize they can't be this in the same universe, they both give you a reason at the same time. So it's Martha being alive in one of them, and Bruce is not Batman. But in the other one, uh. Batman and Robin find the the ship that brought Superman yep. to Earth, but he's like he died in the in the ship, so it's like a little skeleton right. inside. <laughs> well, in in Arkham, so they stop a a uh, escape from Arkham. Yes, with Joker and Penguin, and I don't know who the the last guy is. Um, and uh, from this woman that's the the Silver Spider, mm-hmm. and and whatnot, and then so they go to the Warden, um to his museum of oddities and that's where they find the superman ship uh with a, a dead alien infant mummy inside you know mm-hmm. um but but yeah no i i love the how they bounce back and forth if you're reading it that way they almost line up like pete said where we find out that martha's still alive we find out there was no superman so yeah. superman lives in a world without batman now that's different and then batman lives in a world without superman and how that makes it different my my one issue, Pete, is when we got they go back to Arkham and there's the A block and B block. Yeah, this is a weird because I actually thought this was how it was going to explain something that there mm-hmm. was like duplicates of people. 
So yeah, right, okay. uh, Joker, Penguin, okay. you know, the other guy's like, hey, like, we'd just be mm-hmm. glad we were on the A block and not with their twins in the B block. And then mm-hmm. we see the B block, and it's literally copies of these three people, but they've got like purple boils all over them. And I'm yeah, like, okay. oh, what's this? Why is so, it duplicates? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that that was a main issue for me too. That that one was like, okay, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but I'm, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to assume that the I don't know if it's Arkham. I, I was actually thinking it was Doctor Strange because at one point they emphasized the word strange in a in a speech Hugh, bubble. Yeah, Hugo Strange. Yeah, what did I say? He's, well, you said Doctor Strange, or technically he is, but oh, sorry. that has different connotations Brian in slip. pop culture. There's, t- there's too yeah. many Stranges and Doctors and Professors. Yeah. And he's still... There's definitely way too many Doctors. Yeah. In in the he's... context of comics villains, not in not in the world, obviously. Oh, yeah, the world no. could always use more Doctors. Yeah, more Doctors are great. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, 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 but yeah, no. Uh, it's just the, the, the way that, that Reese draws everything, right? That down on the, the Batman side of the page... Everything's dark the whole time. Yeah. And dark dark colors. Where Superman, everything's light and almost in the sun and it's bright, like, you know. Um, but it also feels classic at the same time, even though it's meant to be modern. Right? So like Lois is dressed in like, you know, what you would see of her in the golden age. Um, but everything seems like the technology, you know. Yeah, and so what one of the things that happens in the Batman story is that they they realize through you know looking at records and stuff that uh, Strange has been going to uh, the Arctic for some reason yeah uh, and you get the impression because so he's built a fortress in the Arctic which is like an actual building but you get the mm-hmm. idea that he found the crystals and he's actually doing stuff with the Kryptonian tech that he's found and been trying to study it seemingly or whatever but when they go there to investigate this the big thing that happens uh, whilst they're walking through the halls of this fortress a portal opens up. And Lois from the Superman story like falls through it into their world, and you know, Batman's like, "Wait, it's the it's the silver, it's, it's the Spider Lady, right. you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's her." Um, and the end of the issue, there's just one page, seemingly in the re- regular you know DC con- continuity, where our Batman and Superman are looking at a space station mm-hmm. uh, or a satellite, I should say, it's a satellite, and it's covered in reels of film. And as I mentioned at the yeah. start. This, both stories take place in reels of film uh, uh, across the pages. Mm-hmm. So something as you know, th- there is going to be some sort of tangential connection to the real DC continuity with them finding these two realities seemingly colliding. Uh, yeah, and I love that these aliens that show up that uh, claim this is the archive of worlds, mm. <laughs> they look like uh, robots with projection heads. The, like yeah, projector heads. I, I kind of like hilarious. that too. Yeah, even the black um, and gold outfits feels very kind of like yeah. cinematic. You know, it feels yeah. like you know the Oscar colors. You know, it feels yeah. like an Academy Award color. The scheme. Uh, I kind of love the idea. That this, these are basically Brainiac, but instead of bottle and cities, they record they record everything on film <laughs> instead. Yeah. So so yeah so Superman says like it feels like film, or it it looks like old film, but it isn't. It feels ephemeral. Right, so like I've heard that word, but I didn't quite know what ephemeral meant. So I had to, I look, and that meant it breaks down to lasting for a very short time. So like, is this just like fleeting, like what ifs? I right? think so. Like, I would say it's kind of like how the dark multiverse worlds yeah. always were destined to die. This is like that, but much quicker. I would assume. Right, where, right, right. Uh, so 
Yeah, I I really enjoyed this. I, and then again, though, I tend to like Yang more well, than I dislike Yang. Do you know what's so, so funny is that both stories, despite the fact that they were so different, there was moments in both that felt like Yang was getting to tell, like, you know, because it was Batman and Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. And Superman, it was young Clark before Lois knew who he was. So it felt like we were getting like two sort of classic style stories, but then they got weird towards the end as we realized, oh wait, these are got, in very different worlds that we're used to. Yeah. But really weird. What, what, what it got to me though is that when I got to that last page and it kind of revealed, oh, this is the context in the real DCU. And part of me thought, there's nothing wrong with this page and the stuff that I actually like about it. But mm-hmm. I, I do actually think I didn't need it because... If this was just going to be an arc where we had these two universes and they, they merged and like interacted with each right. other, and it was the idea was okay, here's a Batman who had no Superman and a Superman who had no Batman, and we got them to mix by the end mm-hmm. and we see what that story does. I didn't really need them to give it context in the the actual DCU. It's fine that it is. There's nothing wrong with it, but it was working well enough for me that I, when I got to that last page, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I don't actually think I needed yeah. it. No, yeah. It would have been cool if they dropped it in maybe, like, at the end of last issue to kind of give it context to, like, hey, what's there's something weird going on here. Because, again, you said they didn't renumber it or anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they weren't going from, from start. But, yeah, um, you can definitely feel that Yang and, and Reese are having a lot of fun because I do feel like Reese nails that classic look for both of these heroes. Because um, outside of... Him on Justice League, he's never really done Batman or anything in Gotham, if I can remember. Just yeah, Green Lantern and Superman at this point. Um, so to see all his his Gotham stuff and how good that looks, like Arkham feels, you know, creepy and as it should be. I, I almost wonder out. if this would have been better just as a new miniseries rather than like a as a, you know, don't, don't call it Batman and Superman, call it like. I don't know. Like maybe do a play world's on world's finest. Fi- yeah, world's finest, but with like a twist or something, and yeah. just make it a mini series yeah. or whatever. Because I, I, mean, I don't know how long this book's going to still last with the eye on it. Because it seems. Yeah, to... I mean, yeah, that that tends to be his bag, right? Like they yeah. kind of just let him have cleanup, and then it keeps going. So if this wants to keep going, cool. Because I'm, I am, I am loving the Art Deco. I mean, it's know, got more chance vibes. of selling better than some of his previous books, right? Just based yeah, off that's of for sure. like, Batman Superman. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me that uh because i suspect as much as we are saying you know like we didn't necessarily need the the reveal at the end how it connects to the real continuity but at the same time the fact that he's introduced it to, and he's introduced these aliens it says to me that at the yeah. very least there's going to be a subplot now where we cut back to the the real mm-hmm. continuity we're going to see some advancement with these characters and i imagine it'll at least get a few more pages each issue now yeah. uh, versus just the one that it got here so yeah uh, we'll see but mm-hmm. I had fun. It was pulpy. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I say, the only plot development in either of the stories that made me go, okay, you went a bit too far, was was the the, the Alfred and the Superman story using Venom. That was the only I, thing that I made me go, uh... <laughs> I love it for the fact that it, it feels like Martha is just accumulating all of the Gotham villains stuff. So, of mm. course, she'll have Venom. She'll have the Mr. Freeze serum. She'll have, like, Joker toxin and, or whatever. And in the same you way know? that... Uh, you know, what was you know, and, and the other one, the, the strangers yeah. collecting all the Kryptonian stuff and all, all the alien Kryptonian tech, yeah. artifacts and yeah. all that. Yeah. So, um, no, I this is, and this one I also went into with like low expectations, just because it, it felt like I don't want to say filler, but like it just felt like okay, this is a book that it's going to be out, but really it was a cover that drew me in because of all the pulpiness, and uh, it, it landed all the way, like and. 
turned about to be a fun uh, read. I didn't know about the differing things, right? No, I mean, like, I was two stories. I, I opened the book up and it said you can read it in either order, and I went, "Wait, what?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I didn't know about this. Uh, I, I just read it straight through, which I actually think. Well, part part of me questioned if I should just read one because when I got to like the, the second, like the second, not the second, like the second proper like set of pages, right? I was like, oh, maybe this would be easier to read. Just do the Superman one first, then go back and do the Batman one. But uh, because when they do eventually converge, I actually do think it's worth reading just doing it simultaneously. Just just you know, do the Superman yeah. on that page, then the Batman on that page, and then keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it became easy. You got into the flow of it after a little bit. But um, ah, oh, neat, neat. Uh, Matt, what are you giving? Um, I'm gonna give us an eight. Yeah, I'm inclined to. Mm-hmm. I'm inclined to to go with eight as well. Yeah, it was solid. Uh, so hey, if we're gonna have four books in a week, you know, at least if they can all be yeah. pretty. Decent. I mean, obviously, Titans Academy was a bit lower down, uh, and even for me, it's easily the weakest one. But I mean, we'll see. Anyway, before we get to those things, uh. I have a Patreon, but every month on patreon.com slash TV, patrons at one of the high tiers can uh, make myself or Connor read a book. Uh, I have been been uh, working through American Vampire. I'm on issue 17 for this particular episode. Uh, again, we ended the last issue with Henry uh, making an uneasy alliance with Skinner to escape the Japanese war prison. Uh, and not just a war prison, it's like an experimental prison where they're, they're doing like, experiments with the vampire blood and making these things that are more like liquors from Resident Evil. Uh, for anyone who'll get that reference but yeah so this was uh, these issues go in so fast because they're so well paced there's so much flow to the 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 sequence of events uh if there's any complaint about this issue is that they've been teasing you know pearls you know getting there she's on her way throughout the book and she shows up in the very last page there's not, none of her before that page, though. So when she showed up at the end, it was like, you know, one, one little tease of her, maybe at some point throughout the book might have been a, a nice just uh, thing. Don't get me wrong. I, I think this is one of these things where if you're reading this all in one go as a, tr- a trade, it probably plays completely fine. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, because, because I am reading them separated like they were originally released, uh, it stuck out to me just how un, unteased she was in this particular I, issue. I just realized that I've only ever read American Vampire in trade. So I've yeah. never had that issue. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could just breeze through it now. But now I'm wanting to reread it. So maybe after these Savage Shores, mm. I'll start, like, Pete's done. Right. Uh, okay. So yeah, it starts with some action with them, like, running through the halls of the prison, yelling at each other, Skinner's swiping at vampires. Uh, some wonderful stuff here. At one point when he kicks down a door, and the bottom panel of that page is just infinite black, except from the light from the door that he's just kicked open. So it's just it's a nice contrast to the rest of the page. Um, and then the next page is this full page spread of like him looking at this room full of like missiles and they realize what's here it is diabolical it is essentially bombs filled with the blood of these vampires they've made so that basically it's like a Hail Mary where they'll just infect millions of people with this and like essentially doom the planet if, they, if they're not going to win yeah it sounds like chemical warfare yeah but, but worse because it'll spread at least chemical warfare right. typically at least traditionally will yeah. kill the people it hits. Okay, not chemical, biological warfare. Yeah, biological warfare, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, so, and they have this debate where, okay, well, clearly we can't let this be a thing. We have to, like, stop this. So the, so the, uh, the vicar, the, the leader's name of the, the platoon, he's like, look, I'm calling this in. Drop every bomb you've got on this location. This has to go. And Skinner's like, wait a minute. We don't have time to get away. 
It's like, no, we may just make it, you know, if we can find the, you know, a good route or get to the, the helipad or whatever. And they try and open this big shutter. There's, like, tons of Japanese soldiers there. They have to shut, shut it back down. And it's like, okay, what the hell are we going to do? We have to run back through the vampires. We have to go through one of the dangerous tunnels. So all, all of this is, like, just classic survival stuff. But this is, like, the end. I mean, just to, to go back to Resident Evil, since I mentioned liquors, it's, like, that part at the end of Resident Evil where the self-destruct thing's about to go off. So you've got the five-minute timer, and you try to get out. So this issue is just adrenaline. It's just adrenaline fuel trying to escape, and one by one, whoever's left are being killed off. Uh, most heroically, the captain, uh, he decides to stay back with some grenades to give them a chance, to give Henry and Skinner a chance to get away. Uh, the reason why he's doing that, because you're thinking, why not? Why wouldn't he just make Skinner stay? Because since uh, he doesn't like Skinner, because he's a vampire. It's because he's been bit. He knows he's about to turn. He's fighting it off as long as he can, so he's like, give me all the grenades we've got, and I'll uh, buy you some time. Uh, and we find out that he has, he lost his arm, he cut off his own arm because he got bit by the vampire, but the vampire that he got bit by was his own child. His own child who he should have killed before he turned, but he didn't. So now he has to live with the last memory of his own child being this monster. Uh, so, he has this big, big exit. Uh, the full pages of the plane coming in and dropping the bombs is this all happening. The one other human that was still alive um, gets crushed under some debris after the captain sacrificed himself. So it's just Henry. So all the narration throughout the book, which has been Henry writing this kind of like goodbye note to, to Pearl, has been him sitting at this rubble uh, waiting for demise. Uh, Skinner seemingly gets killed when the bombs are dropped. He, you know, like he's left behind and they think he's dead. Obviously he's not. Uh, because after... He's been sent to the rubble writing this letter. Skinner all burned and charred, you know, all monstrous. His hair's all singed off, like, bursts through the rubble, grabs him. He's like, you know what? You've outlived your usefulness. I can finally kill you. Final page, Pearl's like, nah. You need to go through me. Put him down. It basically, she has her get away from him, you bitch. <laughs> moment. Right. From aliens. Uh, so... Honestly, this issue, as far as, like, the sequential art, as far as just the adrenaline, the pacing of the issue is phenomenal. Uh, the only critique I have, and it's not a real critique, but I'm doing this for, uh, you know, if you're into male fuzz TV canon, if you know all the running jokes, um, when the captain's about to sacrifice himself and he gives a photo of his son to, to Henry, says, to keep this photo of my son safe, kind of thing. The photo... It looks like Brahms from The Boy. I, I, the, the, the haircut, everything about it. It looks like Brahms. And I'm just like, why God? That, I, like, you're giving me this emotional beat of like this guy's, you know, feeling like sad and having all this guilt over his son's death. And all I can think is, you shit. <laughs> you shit. You stupid I, Brahms. I, I thought you were going to say something stupid about diplomatic immunity. Oh, no. And then instead no. of turning to, to Brahms, which reminds me that Tim this week, uh, on Twitter, there's been a thing going around of, you know, why are you crying? It's just a movie, and then the movie. So, of course, <laughs> Tim had to put the boy, and I haven't laughed that hard in a while. Yes. Uh, that man's a father now. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> he would probably also cry if he had to watch the boy again. I would, yeah, yes. yeah, but for, for reasons. reasons. Yes. Uh, uh I was tempted to make a joke along those lines, you know, that this will make me cry because I don't want to watch it, but instead I just replied to Tim's with a, a gif of Chopping Mall because I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Wait, to imply you cry at Chopping Mall? Or yes. Just, uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yes, to imply that Chopping Mall is a more emotional film. Uh, 
I mean, it probably is. You're not, uh, you're not wrong. I think it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, the art's great. You know, Skinner with his, like, hair burned off and he's, like, the smoke coming off his skull. Looks fantastic. He's proper monstrous. Uh, like I say, the sequence is great. There's been such a muted greens because they're in all these dark tunnels throughout most of it. Um, one exception maybe being the room of the missiles, which are all red because there might be blood, but also it's just the stark contrast of this being such a dangerous, like, idea, what this room is. Uh, but it's mostly muted greens and stuff like that, uh, to the point where right at the very last page, the full page spread of Pearl, when she's standing there all vamped, vamped out, it's her outfit, it's, she's still wearing kind of the, the sort of the nurse, like, and it's not a nurse's outfit, it's, you know, it's a, you know, the sort of military outfit that one would wear before they put on their actual duty nurse outfit, right? So it's like a, you know, smart, you know, jacket and skirt. But, you know, again, it's presented here in muted green. Behind her is just a wall of flames and smoke because of all the bombs that have just been dropped. So the contrast between her and the background is phenomenal. Uh, it's great stuff. So uh, that's issue is just a straight 9 out of 10. There's nothing... It's just... Pacing's phenomenal and it's paying off everything that it's been building up to. Uh, really good stuff. So uh, excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So there you go. American Vampire. That'll take us on to the part of the show where we pick our favourites of the week, do our favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and uh, top five books. Or in this case, rank the four we read. Or if mm-hmm. you're Connor, two. One and two. <laughs> Very happy with my two books. Oh, well, I bet you are. Uh, so, starting off with panel slash moment, Matt, uh, what you what you got for that? It's going to be the Connor Hawk reveal. I got stupidly excited. Oh. That's fair, Matt. Uh, Connor? Uh-huh. <laughs> How dare you? I'm probably saying the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's from action. It's mm-hmm. the bit where uh, it's it's just before he goes into the conversation about you know the story about Park Kent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few panels where John says, you know, how am I supposed to be ready for that? And uh, you know, it ends with you know, when I was your age, you know, saw your grandpa fall off a ladder. But in the middle of those two panels, there's three panels across the bottom of the page. But in the middle, there's this panel. Where Clark just like you know he looks down, closes his eyes, and he's thinking about all right. I need to, I need to tell him this story, and just it's that extra beat in the middle that just completely makes it for me. Yeah, uh, I actually don't have something that springs to mind immediately. I mean, I'm tempted to do John using the laser beam and flying back to the portal uh, in mm-hmm. time. Uh, there's a lot of stuff just art wise that I could pick from tech. Like there really, there really is tons of it in there. Um. So, which I probably will do. I, I th- part, part of me, I, I, I think I'm going to go with. I'll probably go with Bruce in the tunnels, building his new little mini caves. I, I think, I, I, partly because I like the contrast, but I just I like kind of the the general sentiment that he has there, uh, of like not realizing how difficult this is, but also the idea that. Yeah, the, it, it, I mean, maybe it doesn't need that explanation, but I kind of like that it, it gives a little explanation as to why there's so many unused subway tunnels in Gotham is because they basically abandoned the idea of improving the subways, like, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It's not been an, an issue. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So I, I kind of like that, that, that little touch. So I'll go with that. Uh, but there you go. Uh, all right, so uh, favorite cover, Connor. Uh, ooh, uh... It it comes down to either the tech variant or the Batman Superman variant. Uh, the the tech one's the Bameo one. Uh, absolutely love it. And uh, the Batman Superman one is, uh, I believe, Greg Smallwood, which is really nice as well. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I might go with that one, actually. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, I actually... I also agree it's between those two. And I do love the Behermo one, but I actually think I'm going to agree. I am going to go with uh, the, the Batman Superman variant. It's just too pretty to, to say not to. There is a little bit of me that knows I've got more Bermejo variants coming up. So I'm like, yeah, I'll pick one of those at some point, I'm sure. But Behermo's done better, I guess, is part of the point as well. He's got, he's got more impressive covers. So, That's fair, yeah. Uh, as good as it is. Matt, what are you picking? Uh, I really like the action variant. It's uh, real bright, smiley Superman. But I, I really thought I was onto something by going with the Batman Superman variant, and then both of y'all uh, just, you know, <laughs> you went, went all in. So, yeah. That was mine too, Batman Superman. It's a good piece. Okay. Mm, it is a very good piece. Uh, all right. Uh, so, best art of the week. Uh, I will jump in first for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yeah, it's got to be Detective. It's, it's got to be Mora undetected uh and even if i include the backup the backup has pretty strong art too so it's not like it dragged it down i mean it was different of course but it's not like it was making me go oh i need to deduct points because the art in the backup's bad so uh tech uh matt so the, this week has all decent art throughout all of the books so it makes it kind of difficult but i had narrowed it down to batman superman and detective mm-hmm. but the one-two punch of mora and uh, melikov that's if I'm saying it wrong, probably. Just say Gleb. Uh, Just say Gleb. 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 Yeah, that's how he signed stuff. Um, it, it's got to be Detective. Also, uh, Dan Moore uh, wants a future fame, right? Like, yeah. he only does good and work. I'm, I'm actually picking Hester for Action Comics. Uh, Although, I think part of that is because while Detective Comics is very good, I don't think it's the best Dan Moore uh, this week. Like <laughs> I think the art wants a future. Connor, I'm only better. on. I'm only I on know, like issue. I know, but look, I'm just saying, it's been a very good week for fans of Dan Mora. Yeah. Hmm. But I, I'm going to go with Hester. It's, uh, it's gorgeous. Yes, I had active critiques of that, so that was that was not even in the running for me. But no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Could be wrong. That's okay. Uh, dear. Uh, all right. Ranking the books, then, Matt. Go for it. Uh, so, number one is going to be Detective. Number two is Action. Number three is Batman Superman. Number four is Titans Academy. Connor? Yeah, action, then Detective for me. I'm going Detective at number one. I'm going Batman Superman at number two. I'm going Action at number three. And then Titans Academy at number four. But there you go. That is, uh, that is the books. I will tell you what's coming next week. It's a week five. Although they did actually push the Flash. Because the Flash, I think, was originally meant to be this week. Or at least if it wasn't, it I, I assumed it was. Because it usually would be. Are we, uh, are we reading the Flash? Yes. I'm reading the Flash, yes. Uh, oh, Pete's reading the Flash. Okay. And I'm not I'm not hey. winking or anything. Or no. metaphorically trying to apply anything. Have fun, my guy. You're going to be my uh, canary in the coal mine. Uh, you can say that all you want, Matt. But you know full well you're going to read it. I'm going uh, on a trip, so uh, no, I might not. I looked at these books and went, oh man, this is a good week to go on a... Yeah, yeah, but, a, but what, what Matt's trip. forgetting is these books come out on Tuesday, and you're not going on your trip till like... Yeah, Thursday. Matt's got play time. This is bullshit. This is just nothing about it. Yeah, excuse. but I also could have these Savage Shores come in, and I might want to read that. I mean, you should read that. It's, yeah, I, see, I, like... I can... I can fairly confidently say these Savage Shores is better than the Flash. Matt, Matt yeah. is Matt's going to read the Flash. I am, I am confident 
this. Do I want to disappoint the readers or do I want to prove Pete wrong? Readers, viewers, <laughs> listeners, whatever y'all who tune in dark insanity. Is someone writing uh, a transcript to this show that I'm not aware of? Are those people reading yeah. this show? Yeah. <laughs> they could, hey, if they're, you know. YouTube does know. automated. Uh, they do. It struggles with the accents at times, though. I I, I will notice. <laughs> I didn't say it was good. I just, I just do it. But yeah, but this week, so I won't say no, but you know, it's not high on my priority list. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, Flash Seven Six Eight is coming out. Uh, Batman Catwoman Number Four, Strange Adventures Issue Nine, uh, and Future State Superman versus Imperious Lex Issue Three, as well as the other history of DC Universe Issue Three as well. Uh, that so yeah. cover, like Katana, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Gorgeous. I mean, Strange Adventures and Batman Catwoman's a hell of a two for. Uh, boom boom. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I will say, <laughs> before before we move on to anything else, uh, I will remind you dearly that uh, you have when this goes up, you have like three days left to submit your top characters because we're doing the top fifty DC characters of all time. Yeah, get my list in later just to annoy Pete. He's if gonna you, love it. If it's gonna be a, put one in. If it's after the deadline, I'm not counting it, Connor. I just said tonight. Oh, tonight. Oh, I just said, I just gonna, said later. It's gonna no. Oh, it's it's me, gonna it, it's gonna annoy you because of what the list is. Send me. Your I have no list. doubt. I have no doubt it'll annoy me. Um, right, right after you send it to, to, make sure you copy it. Send it to me. I forgot yeah. to do that for you. Um, and and honestly, mine was so off the top of my head. Oh, I, I, said I, I have a very characters. specific theme on my list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So, yes. So we have 50 We're celebrating episode 250. It's also the five-year anniversary, which I didn't even realize. Matt pointed out that the five-year anniversary of the WonderCon announcement of Rebirth was like yesterday, I think you said, was it? Mm-hmm. The day before? Um, so we're actually hitting five years of the show as well. So it's kind of a double tattoo for almost. Uh, so, uh, but anyway. So, you know, all you have to do is submit your top 20. You can do up to top 50 if you want, but yeah, the minimum is top 20 DC characters. Uh, the link to submit will be in the description of the show. You can also get it on the Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. But the deadline is the end of the month. So if you've not had it in from the first for the 1st of April, you're too late. That's the deadline. The uh, special episode where we I reveal the results to these two idiots and they react and are surprised and disappointed as we go at various names. Uh, that'll be coming in April. Uh, you can look if, I, if I was a, if I was a bet man, I would I would bet that Dick Grayson's coming in at number one. That oh. that's what I just I have to feel. I'm, I'm making. Well, I can't make predictions. I don't know what's winning, but <laughs> I, I know you're the one handling it. <laughs> but so, yeah. uh, I will say, there's definitely names that I thought would do well that are barely doing anything, and there's names that I didn't even consider would be ranking fairly high that are surprising Who's me. Who's the goal for top ten? Clearly. Um, I will say there's a distinct lack of cold snap uh, in the, uh, the list so far, which again, disturbs me greatly. He's the eighth best cold villain, Pete. He wouldn't in a top one hundred. He would show up, you know, he's better than Minister Blizzard. Don't you dare, right? Don't you dare uh, say cold snap is. Wait, 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 Matt. You 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 threw eight out there, and that was too specific. You now need to name seven cold villains. Better. Yes, I want yeah, your seven cold eight, villains. This was a fun number. Yeah, yeah, but he's too late. Go on, now. go on, do it. Go on. Uh, okay, so I can go Mr. Freeze. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Mrs. Freeze, because that's a character now. Whoa, whoa! Uh, <laughs> that, that, mm, I don't know about that. That's, that, that, that's... She, she showed, she, she showed up dead in, uh, 
in the gaffer book. Cooking the books. That's cooking the books, but fine. Yeah, Two. Let's books. see how many others you can I, get. I got Icicle. Mm-hmm. I got uh, Kill Frost. I got uh, Icicle 2. Uh, Junior, Junior, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't you go? You went and messaged Freeze immediately from Mr. Freeze, but you didn't go to the Icicle Junior from Icicle. I was no, thinking that as well. I was going to see how long it's Because I wanted to be funny. He's actually forgotten um, a really obvious one, which is really funny so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Captain Cold. There you go. <laughs> I was gonna, Cold. If he doesn't get Captain Cold, this is going to be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got two more. Uh, I got Minister Blizzard. Uh, Minister Blizzard. There, there you go. That's okay. Seven. And then and then you put Cold Snap in and he's the eight. Seven is eight. You Boom. know what? I'll tell you this right now. I'll tell you this right now. Right. You could have said the Frost King from uh, Frost King from uh, yeah, Winter, yeah, Endless Winter, right? But, 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 I will say the message freeze was stretching it, right? I like oh. stretching okay. it. I, but the fact is, you know, like say, you know, you can throw in the, the Frost King. It's like okay, it was actually relatively easy to hit seven before we could right. yeah. snap. And the reason why I'm saying that is technically her name is Message Freeze. That is true. But we had no indication that she actually used anything cold-related. Like, it's that's her name, because of her husband is, but does she actually use that as part it's of her villainy? business. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, yes, to get your listen, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the final results and revealing them. Uh, power set real quick. Sh- should, be a f- <laughs> should be a fun record. <laughs> she doesn't have a power set yet, man. No one has written a power set for Missy's Freeze. We went over this. She showed up in Detective when we were reading it. No one knows what she can do. <laughs> the writer that wrote that can. <laughs> was Tomasi, right? Uh, I believe so. I think that was the Tomasi uh... stuff. Oh, God. Oh. Okay. Well, no, she has the same exact powers as Mr. Freeze. So, uh... <laughs> On the wiki, it says abilities dancing. She was a ballerina before her diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, equipment, cryo suit, weapons, Mr. Freeze's cold okay. gun. I, I do so, have a follow-up question, Matt. Would you actually rank Cold Snap beneath those seven that you named? Yeah, because I don't even remember what Cold Snap's identity is besides being one that Pete loves to bring up. Yes. He's just a joke at this point. Yeah. What do, mean, what do you mean at this point? He was always a joke. I don't know anything okay, about Cold Snap. He popped up in an issue of Justice League right after they teased the, the Justice League's most prominent villains. And then Cold Snap was there. And that's how I discovered Cold Snap. And that's why it's funny. <laughs> when I said at this point, I meant most people probably don't even remember that Justice League issue anymore. No, it's just probably not. <laughs> the legend of Cold Snap is, what, is what's funny. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So get your listen. Uh, and in fact, we'll probably start arranging when we're going to record said uh, special soon. So look forward to that popping up. But get your listen. You got until the end of the month. Uh, so that is that. Uh, I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. You're a producer if you're $20 or more at patreon.com slash TV, but you can support us for much less than that. You can give us just $1 per month. Uh, the $5 tier gets access to the show a day early. Uh, you get access to previously in the multiverse uh, when me and Connor squeeze it in a month early, so you can go and check out uh, the bonus goodies. But you can, of course, support us in other ways for free, simply by hitting the like button, subscribing, and commenting on YouTube, uh, sharing us on Twitter, again, at DC Comics Podcast, 
or of course rating the podcast on itunes or whatever platform you get your podcast from uh give us a good review and uh, like a five star rating or whatever the units of rating is on the service you use if it's a thumbs up give us a thumbs up if it's stars give us stars if it's a heart give us some hearts whatever it may be uh connor has no heart so hearts and digital forms connor are- has a heart he has no soul but his lever's not his lever's not in a good condition though. He's he's Barney Gumble in that episode of The Simpsons where the <laughs> ambulance crashes and the liver bounces well, I'm, outside I'm confident that the quality of my liver is better than the quality of Pete's brain. So, you know, I'm good. I, I'm pretty sure Matt referenced that exact Simpsons thing before I did. very recently. Yes, because it's my favorite. And it's Connor. <laughs> <laughs> where do you think you're going? And he tucks it back in his shirt. Oh, man, that show. Uh, no one said that about 15 years. Yeah, but I think that's the the thing, right? It's and so whatever Simpsons was, you know, whatever the episodes were like when you're 15, when you're 14, those those are the ones that are good. So I'm sure there might be a generation of kids that like those. I don't know. Anywho, that is because from the multiverse episode 246. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you can uh, do all the things we said to help support the show. Make sure you get your lists in time. Deadline is the end of the month. Link in the description and or Twitter. Uh, so that is it. So thank you once again. Uh, we'll see you next time. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. What if Mrs. Freeze is Red X? <laughs> <laughs>